Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. Welcome to MGO Podcast 14.11. The unattainable is unknown at MGO Block. I got bad medicine, which is apparently by Bon Jovi, stuck in my head. And I was like, why? From 1998, I thought it was much older than that. Why Why is this stuck in my head? And then I'm like, oh, that's right. We played Nebraska, and that's the last time they were any good. Nothing? Nothing? It's kind of funny. <laughs> 1998 was the last time they no, were any good? 88. 88. The, the problem with that oh. is that they were actually good in 1997, much to the ire of many folk like us. Yeah, they were like the second best team in the country. So in it was kind of funny, except then it was like well, sad funny. Well, you said funny. 1998. Yeah. Oh. And then, so, but I said 1988 sounds, sounds... So 1988. Yeah, Bon Jovi. Much, but yeah. did Bon Jovi do music in the 90s? Yeah, he yeah. did, uh, you know, he did Going Down in a Blaze of Glory. Was that was that? That was a great person. Can you do the whole thing? No, that's all I can. Was that in the nineties? Yeah, Young Guns two. It had uh, Val Kilmer in it and Emilio Estevez. You know, people are going to think they clicked on the wrong podcast. No, they're not. This is this is the metal. That was true. Welcome to the Metal (laughs) Suck Cast. (laughs) We're your hosts, Vince Nielstein and Brian Enowitz of Metal Sucks. That that would be (laughs) that would be that would be really optimistic on our point of view. with, With like, oh. These idiots are talking about dumb stuff. I must be on the wrong podcast. I wonder how many like Metal Suck slash MGO blog uh, fans are out there. One, and it's you. <laughs> you. You're not a Metal Sucks fan? Are no. you? Are you a Metal fan? No. So does Metal Suck? No, but Metal Sucks is like what Metal fans like, because they're Metal fans. Yeah. Oh. So that's like the big blog for Metal fans. I, like I prefer to oh. I, I, have, I have all my contradictory things about this l- thing I like makes me hate it. I save that for sports. <laughs> anyway, Alex had a wow. tweet. Yeah. Alex had a fun tweet yesterday. The thing about Michigan ascending to true elite status this season is that the consequence is that you have to play well in one to two games and all the other games can be painfully boring sleepwalk affairs. And I quote tweeted it and said, sign me up for so many of those games. Well, we should have played UCLA. Because I, the, my takeaway from that is he's kind of right. Because you, you really are like waiting for one, maybe two games that you really have to have your AA plus performance. And the rest of them, as long as you control the game, you're probably going to win. Are you going to worry about stuff? Probably, because that's what we do. And we're going to freak out about this player or that scheme or something. But the reality is, is 34 to 3 in yeah. a boring-ish game, but when you're really, really good, that's what you get a lot of the times. Well, this is the reason that we do not talk about Ohio State very much in the Jamie segment. Right. Because it's like, oh, they won 49 to 10. What happened? The same. 
And so when they play Iowa and it's a little different, we talk about them. When they play Northwestern, it's a little different, we talk about them. But Northwestern. Yeah, the Ohio State blogs, when they have their Around the Big Ten segment this week, it'll just be like, yeah, Michigan did what Michigan does. And then they'll move on. But, like, how excited are we about this? <laughs> Apparently this not is, very. This well, is really exciting. Here's the thing. Alex was not alive for the Bow era, and I think, like, probably half of our fans were not, like, barely remember or remembered, like, none of the Bow era. This is what the Bow era was like. You just churn your way through, like, the Indianas and the whatevers. Like, they changed the names, but right. Nebraska is now just another big Put on Nebraska. the next jersey. We're going to do the same thing to we're you. Gonna, we're going to run the ball and grind you down, and then we're going to throw a few times, and we're going to grumble because the throws didn't connect, or we're going to get excited one time about this receiver because the throw did connect, and then he gets the Ohio State game, and that's the big thing. And then after that, you know, that's the thing. The Bo, the Bo era was unsatisfactory because they kept on losing the bowl games. Yeah. If they, like, won a couple national championships in there, it would be like, you know, any other. Uh, speaking of running yeah. and grumbling, thank you to Underground Printing for making this all possible. Rishi and Ryan have been our biggest supporters from the beginning. Check out their wide selection of officially licensed Michigan fan gear at their three store locations in Ann Arbor. Check out their wide selection of officially licensed Michigan fan gear at their three store locations in Ann Arbor or learn about their custom apparel business at undergroundshirts.com. We'd also like to thank our associate sponsors, Homeshare Lending, Peak Wealth Management, Ann Arbor, Elder Law, Michigan Law Guide, Human Element, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Prentice 4M's venue, where we are recording this presently, The Nosebleeds, which is the Sklar Brothers' new show on UFC Fight Pass, and Ticket IQ, our longtime ticket partners. All right, so as we were discussing before we mentioned our sponsors, this was uh, just another Michigan game this year, and Alex's scout from FIFA Film, perhaps the most accurate scout in the history of FIFA <laughs> Film, because he was like, they have six defensive tackles and I despise them all. And boy, was he right about that. So Michigan does not have Trevor Keegan. They do not have Trent A. Jones, although they actually did have Trent A. Jones. Yeah, he late. went through warmups, right? He actually played in the, on the last drive. Oh. He got in the game. So we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. But he was just like, these guys can't hold up. And Michigan's going to duo them to death, and that's what they did. So every single run play, except for about two, went for at least four yards. Many of them went for 12. And I, when you go over the tape, it's just like, yep, that defensive tackle is three yards downfield. That defensive tackle is five yards downfield. That defensive tackle has been escorted from the stadium like he's a Michigan State player in the aftermath of the ball bunion game. And that was that was about it in terms of like what Michigan needed to win this game, or most games. I mean, yeah, the simplicity of this one was, I mean, on another level. We're like, <laughs> <laughs> we're normally like, there's like a couple interesting things. This time they're like, we're just gonna line up in a flex bone, have lots of gaps, and double your defensive tackles, and then either we're gonna bounce outside because one of your edges didn't hold. Or we're just going to run off those tackles and, you know, we're going to get four yards off the initial push and then Blake Corum might churn away for two or six or eight more. Yeah. And so it was one of those games where they put up Corum's stats and he's got 27 carries and he's got 150 yards and his long is probably 12. And do you know how hard it is to average five and a half yards a carry when your long is 12? It's pretty hard. <laughs> Menager Blake Corum. 
Well, I mean, just in terms of like if you look at football teams across America and you average five and a half yards carry, they're probably good at breaking some. There's like there's a chunk of 30 in there. There's a chunk of 40 in there. There's a chunk of 25 in there to have a long of 12 and still have an effective ground game is boggling. And it kind of shows that even though Michigan has two starters on the defensive line out, they're down their top two tight end. Their offensive line. They're down their top two tight ends in this game. And Donovan Edwards goes out and so you're you're looking at cj stokes who had a long of 17 yeah you're looking at stokes and dunlap and isaiah gash mm-hmm. coming in in the ha- second half of this game with when one mission goes two tight ends they've got you know fewer than half of their projected starters a true freshman from idaho and a walk-on are their tight ends right and, and a sixth year, sixth year, and, and a six-year offensive lineman that they converted back to tight end. And even in that context, Michigan is still grinding them, grinding them, grinding them. I mean, this feels like not just like Bo, but it feels like you know the heyday of Alvarez, Wisconsin, where yeah, we have a starting five offensive linemen. What happens if all five of those go out with injury? Eh, it's fine. We've got five more. We have the back. second starting yeah. five. So you you look at this offensive line. Let, let's just project it going into next year. You probably get Trent A. Jones back. You're well, going to lose you Ogo. Should, yeah. You might get one of those guards back. Hayes is probably gone. And then you've got... You can get both those guards back. Zinter is going to be can, a senior next year. They can definitely get both those guards back, yeah. but the NFL might be a problem. Yeah. Does the NFL <clears throat> want Hayes? Um, he has a COVID. He's shirt. on draft he has, boards. He has a COVID shirt, but you know, I figure that if he's on draft boards, that he'll probably go. I don't know. Maybe he'll take it. They also have Jeffrey Percy, who right, yeah. So you seem to hold his own last you've week. Got Percy Elhadi Barnhart. Um, I saw I saw Raheem Anderson do some things in the last mm-hmm. game. So and we haven't even mentioned Greg Crippen. Greg Crippen and Atterbury. They like a lot. Atterbury. I mean, he, he gets a lot of. Comments from the practice, even though he's not playing much this year. And, and you have Gentry. Who, and Bounds was on the two deep last year. Yeah, so it, and it just feels like never again <laughs> in the Harbaugh era will they be putting out a true freshman on the offensive line. Unless he's Zach Zinner and it's like, eh. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. But yeah. But like they're, they're, they just feel like they're loaded up and that it's going to be sort of a train at this point of but that's kind of true when you start looking around a lot of the positions on the team yeah well who's the best offensive lineman in the big 10 west right now is chuck filianga and that really? was like a cast off from us <sighs> yeah that was the guy who, who was like oh i'm not sure i'm gonna get playing time i better move and yeah he's he's, mean, he's the uh, zach charbonnet of the offensive line Ooh, pretty much yeah like hey zach charbonnet is pretty awesome don't care <laughs> i mean when you watch the minnesota game they're like okay this is the guy you got to watch because he's the guy they run <laughs> off of and, and you're like, like wow that was our ninth best offensive lineman yeah, last year but, and keep in mind the offensive lines of the big 10 west suck this year well yeah, but, everything about the big 10 yeah. west sucks. but let's refocus on what actually happened in this game okay um so there were a couple of issues for honigford so you go over it and he gets blasted back on one pin and pull and then there's uh he lets a guy go under him those are probably go both gonna be minus twos i honestly don't know if i'm gonna have negatives for anybody else uh there's there was one because it could have. Uh, there was an Edwards run that could have busted for a touchdown, and Barnhart like had a free shot in a linebacker and just kind of like, touched him. Yeah. So yeah, and that turned it into like four yards or whatever. So yeah. 
there's going to be some scattered minus ones trying to pick up linebackers who get dodged. I don't know if hypothetical Nebraska UFR guy is going to have a single positive for any of their defensive tackles. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, we knew this was bad going in, but I was just taken back to, like, watching Kyle Kalis play. And, like, Kyle Kalis was a mauler, mm-hmm. but he got so many things wrong. He would just be lined up over a guy in Michigan and run zone, and he'd let him just run into the backfield. And so... <clears throat> Do you remember his qu- great quote? No. Where he said, I believe it was... Did he he played in 16, right? So he was here for two years? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he said, if I would have had this offensive line coaching group in the first few years, I would have been so much better. Or paraphrasing, but that's, yeah. that's more so, like, but that, but you know who the all-line coach then was? is Trevno, which right. tells you, like, the gap from well, the area where we're talking about of, like, yeah. the late Hoke into the early Harbaugh, which was, like, the iffy O-line era. It was better than what it was, but and now you're to even another level. And then, well, Warner comes in, and then yeah. Warner instantly fixes a mm-hmm. lot of things that are wrong. Yeah, and then Michigan kind of casts him off, and you're like, "What is going on here?" And they elevate Sharon Moore, and you're like, <clears throat> "I don't know. Sharon Moore's never been an OL coach yet in his life. I, I don't know about this." And then Sharon Moore should have won the Broyles last year. <laughs> <laughs> Probably should win the Broyles this year. Yeah. Because going back to Kalis, the number of outright mistakes that I see this offensive line commit, especially on the ground, like sometimes they'll fail to pick up guys in the pass game, which is something that happens. But just in terms of like I have this job that I need to do on the ground, and they're running a ton of zones, so this is not all like gap blocked where it's pretty straightforward. They're running a ton of zone just in terms of like, oops, I let that guy go. This is a problem. I cannot believe how many incidents there are because there are almost none. And I don't think there was a single one in this game. You know, you had guys try to make a block and not make that block. But in terms of missed assignments, probably zero. And I just remember charting like Rodriguez OLs and Hoke OLs and just being like, just getting angry and trying to like not give people minus fours. I mean, that was happening to the coaches, too. You remember Al Borges would give a quote, be like, oh, we're playing 11-man football. Like, and that would come out in the charting and be like, wow, this play actually has a lot you of mean, legs. You mean 10-man football, right? Yeah. Because there would be – like, yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. it was a Penn State game where, like, everything was blocked up except on every play, one guy would screw up. And it wasn't the same guy. It was a different guy. But your error rate, like, if 80% of the time you do the right job, yeah. and there's five guys blocking – you're going to have one guy who screws up on every play, and when one guy screws up, usually your play fails. So getting from 80 to 90 is one thing. Getting from 90 to 95 is another thing. Getting from 95 to approximately 100, just in terms of like doing the right thing in this game, it's... Bo. Well, it's also... That's, that's what we're talking about. I mean, we're talking about Im- that kind of line. seems almost impossible. Yeah, and it, what happens is you get... Like, Michigan's in third and six and they're like well let's just run it and they ran it for four <laughs> yards and then they're in fourth and two and they're like ah let's just run it yeah so you're in third and six and you're just like yeah we got two plays let's just go do this <laughs> we only need three yeah. yards per play that's no big deal so the effect that has on you and your opponent is more it like it compounds right once you get up to the levels that michigan is at in terms of execution on the offensive line you have to change your defense 
you have to change your approach in terms of like, oh, God, they're just going to get it if we give them a fourth and two. Like Michigan is 11, I mean, a 10 of 11 on fourth downs this year, which leads the country. Yeah. And it's just so polished that the end result is it's boring. Because it's like, all right, what are they going to do? They're going to run for five yards. They're going to run for five yards. They're going to run for six. They're going to. I mean, I've I've never seen this in person. Because whenever Michigan tried to, like Lloyd Carr, mm-hmm. he wanted to do this, but he couldn't do it. No, he he couldn't get that kind of let the level of execution you need to do this means committing your program to having that level level of execution. Well, and I think he tried to, but he just it just wasn't something that he was able to do. Yeah, for and he, I mean he. He had good offensive line coaches, but I mean, he had good offensive lines and he had bad running games. Yeah, yeah, and, but they uh, were doing this all the way up to the '90s when Les Miles. I mean, Les Miles was the last like great OL coach that he had. Well, but I remember like when we were doing, we had Rodriguez for the first year, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the quarterbacks were Stephen Threat and Nick Sheridan. <laughs> not exactly Thanks for that memory. <laughs> not not exactly, you know, Denard Robinson. And after that season, I went and I compared the yards per carry Michigan got in that season with a horrible offensive line, with nothing you're getting from your running backs, with not exactly Mike Hart in the backfield. And their yards per carry would have been above average in the entirety of the Lloyd Carr. Wasn't it like comparable to 2006, which was like the best Lloyd Carr offense? It It wasn't far off. And f- so I'm going into this, and I'm just – I'm radicalized by this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you you have to have a running quarterback. If you don't have a running quarterback, you can't run the ball. And I have basically held on to that ever since. And this year is beginning to to crack that. Now, what didn't happen in this game? Passing? No, 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 no. <laughs> on the ground. What didn't happen in this in game? McCarthy. Big, a, big, a big run. Right. McCarthy played – Oh, McCarthy. Oh, okay. No, both of those. Yeah. So we played Rutgers last week, no explosives. We played Nebraska this week, no explosives. And, you know, the opportunity rate in this game is huge, which is five or more yards. Mm -hmm. So you have all these opportunities to get explosives, but you don't get explosives. Contrast that with the Penn State game. When they're just bl- they're breaking loose all when they over the only place. had explosives what, they because had, well, they, they had, had the quarterback two huge explosives yeah. and they just missed three more mm-hmm. on McCarthy runs and so. What you're seeing here is you're seeing sort of the best of both worlds where it's like we can just grind people to death without risking our quarterback. But when push comes to shove and we we're like, OK, this is one of the big games of the year. J.J. McCarthy can keep the ball six to eight times and then your run game even hits another level. Yeah, well, I, there were a couple of the fourth and two you mentioned. The the guy was coming in from the edge. There was no edge. They, I mean, they could have been a touchdown. They scored a touchdown on the drive anyway, but. It could have been a touchdown if J.J. keeps on that one, like, cause, but there was no need to. And then the touchdown from that drive, I think that was also when Coram goes through a blitzing cornerback. And like Coram just goes through. He's a cornerback. But yeah. the cornerback was the edge. That was the last guy. So if McCarthy keeps there, there's nobody for McCarthy on that one either. Right. But Nebraska as, was playing this knowing that the quarterback's not going to be a threat. But as we discussed, like you don't want to – like in the low red zone, what you don't want to do with a quarterback is run its own read. Yeah. Because the safety who's not supposed to be there is going to be there. Right. My, and then what they did do with McCarthy is they just used him as a runner. Mm-hmm. And so you get that extra hat, and then uh, Colson Loveland is kind of losing a defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. And your extra hat is Blake Corum, and Blake Corum goes and whacks him, and then it's a walk-in touchdown from the three. Yeah. So I, I like the fact that after the 
kind of disastrous red zone performance against Michigan State. They kind of went back to the drawing Rutgers. board. No, Michigan State. Well, the fourth and one kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah, but I mean, I mean, I mean they they got touchdowns against Rutgers. Yeah. It took a while, <laughs> but so yeah. we they they're like evolving in the red zone. I see what you mean. Yeah. So like before, it's just like all right, we're gonna run our arc stuff in the red zone. That doesn't work. Mm-hmm. They're like that doesn't work. Let's stop doing that. Let's do the the basic thing, and they find out that that does work, but it's a little dodgy. Uh-huh. Right, it's like your, your your margins there are real thin. So in this game, they're like, all right, what else can we do here? So they have a touchdown from McCarthy. They have a couple other things that they're doing with with the offensive line in the red zone that aren't just plain old dive. Yeah, and this time it's easy, and possibly that's Nebraska versus Rutgers. But no, but you're but they're they're running belly, which was it, which is a, a great play to run in those situations, right? Because you're washing out a different part of the line. So right. if they're if, jumping in the middle, you're if not, they're just trying yeah. to undercut your offensive lineman, they just go over, and the edge guy can't make up the ground in time. Yeah, and that's what that was. The reason why it was a cornerback on the edge there is they ran belly. So it's, that's going to a different gap than where they're all jumping into. Right. But it's it's not like we're going to pull a guy. We're going to make this kind of complicated and we're going to risk a TFL, belly is very simple. Yeah, it's just doubling a different dude. Right, and so what you're just trying to do is you're trying to scrape out enough uh, enough of a gap between mm-hmm. the force guy and the guy inside the force guy, <laughs> which doesn't really have a name. Uh, guy inside force guy, guy. Uh, and, and But the larger point is that we're seeing them focus on what they're best at in the red zone, the low red zone, mm-hmm. and iterate and i think that's a really good sign and i think that of all the things that you could take out of this game um i think that's one of the more important ones but then on top of that after they've done all of those things well, i guess this is earlier in the game they rpo'd a safety for a wide open bell touchdown yeah and that Cause was because it was definitely reading safety because i went back and rewatched it and i rewatched the wrong safety so they're so they're rewatch the got the safety comes flying up from sort of the edge corner and because he looks like a hand, a give to Corum, and Corum takes a couple of steps, and the guy comes flying, he pulls it, and he's the guy I think is supposed to be on Bell. Yeah, and and the thing is, is that so where did Bell go? He went inside the tight end because mm-hmm. Michigan runs insert ISO. Right. They use Bell on insert ISO, and they had a play that looked exactly like insert ISO, and that was the wrong answer. For ran the by him, yeah, but. <laughs> it's it's hilarious that that's where the like the, where the system has gotten to where like we're using a wide receiver basically as a tight end slash fullback, and then they react to him because you have to because Bell can block that way. Well, they and they, then <laughs> oh, turns out he's a wide receiver on the belly touchdown. They motioned in Cornelius Johnson and yeah. shot him through the line too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a weird gap like right near the like the, one of the a gaps, I think. Right, and and so he only gets like a little piece of a linebacker, but. First of all, the confusion there is like, okay, there's a guy coming through the line. I should. Pr- this is probably where the point of attack is, mm-hmm. not where the point of attack is. Um, and so the, you just hold the guy with this, like, what is? What the hell is Jim Harbaugh doing? <laughs> what is this maniac doing? So I, I've been saying, Bo, but this is Stanford too. This is this is Jim yeah. Harbaugh Stanford, where the gaps are appearing where you don't expect them. They're going to execute on the offensive line so they can pull this stuff off as much as they want to, and they can just keep doing it to you, and no one sees this. No one's used to playing 1970s right. football right, right. in 2022. Right. So... Is this the stuff that you were expecting in 2015, like when you were doing those Well, we those have to remember that in 2015 that. that they were, like, getting Siona Huma 
you know, 30 yards on whams all the time. So uh-huh. it's not like this hasn't been part of the offense. Right. Like the T stuff that Penn State's doing this year. Yeah. Harbaugh did that like his first year here. Every every week there was like some other weird 1950s mm-hmm. rushing concept he was pulling out. I still like the T formation in <laughs> short situations. Yeah. I yeah. mean. It just accesses so many gaps. It's it's like it, a smart way to do that. It's It's true. But also like Michigan just doesn't need that. Yeah. Because they can just run a dive, and unless it's goal line situations, nobody holds up to that. And then Quorum's just going to find his gap and then keep churning his little legs. And, yeah. You know, all of a sudden it's like, okay, that was a third and one, and we picked up six yards. Okay, that's what we're doing. So I kind of feel like the lack of frippery is interesting because it's not like we're giving them a lot of eye candy. Like there's a little bit here and there, but – not very much. Like, there was the orbit that we threatened with Henning, mm-hmm. and then we just ran it with Edwards on that play. And, it's like, w- w- what other frippery is there, really? I mean, there's the occasional wide receiver <laughs> run to yeah, a fullback kind of play. Yeah. But just in terms of what we've put on the table, it's not very much. And I've got to imagine that all all eyes are on Ohio State. So there's two schools of thought, and I've heard people argue this both ways, but do you want more things on film so that the opponent, Ohio State in this case, has to prepare and like devote time to that sort of thing? Or do you want to be the most basic and vanilla and then have all this crazy stuff that they've never seen? Well, I'm, I'm usually keep it in the bar because, you know, it's harder to prep for stuff that you haven't seen. And Even if there's counters to what you did? Well, I mean, I guess it's one thing. If it's it's super obvious, then sure, put it on a film because they're going to be able to anticipate that. Um, like like running play action from your like base run, right? It's that's they're going to know what the play action yeah. pass is, and they, right. they, they know that you can roll out the other way and throw it to a tight end. Right. They've seen this before, but like well, Michigan's done a good job of against Ohio State in the past is they have base stuff that they run all season. And then they come out in Ohio State and they have something that looks just a little bit, that, that looks like it or just changes it just a little bit. I mean, bit. also they have just totally new stuff. Like they had that diamond package against Ohio State last year, mm-hmm. which was McCarthy's deal. And everything that they did out of that worked. So, you know, it's, it's I guess, a philosophical thing. But I just like the fact that Michigan didn't really have to do a whole lot in this one. Seth, do you agree with Brian or, or do you want more stuff on film? I, I think this if, if it's working, I don't care. The the but you don't have a philosophical I, starting point. I, I think that the I, I I don't like the question because I think there's a difference between like how you um there it's not just like you can run weird stuff or you can run your base stuff. You can run base stuff weirdly, <laughs> okay. and you can run like your counters um, with with different looks and stuff like that. So it's not. Nothing's new under the sun, right? And it's all about where you add, uh, allocate your practice time. What one thing Michigan does do under Harbaugh is they'll practice something, they'll put it out in film, and then the, the next team has to, especially before rivalry games, the next team kind of has to prepare for that and all the counters, even if Michigan didn't show the counter, and then it goes away. Like they just they just stop running mm-hmm. it again, and it's like, well, or they maybe bring out the counter like weeks later, but everyone who's put that on film now has to practice for three different plays, like you know the rock, the paper, the scissors, because they saw that one thing, and Michigan spent enough time practicing one play, and maybe they'll insert a little bit later, and they 
they did that when they uh, when they were bringing out the G series, right? That down G, they mm-hmm. show that against Nebraska, right? And they're like, okay, and it works against Nebraska because Nebraska's linebacker. You mean several? Terrible. You mean a few years ago? Yeah, back yeah back correct. in like 2018 when they brought that out, and then <clears throat> that was established, and everyone's like now prepared for down G, and that was actually just the prelude to like becoming like a major counter team, and like then all of a sudden they're pin and pull encounter, and that's been their base ever since. They were probably just installing that, and Bredesen maybe was ahead of everybody else, but that was like Michigan building their offense based off of what are we good at, let's practice, let's rep and be good at something and have something to hang our hats on. Once you have that, all the rest of it doesn't really matter. Right. Like People talk about football teams having an identity. Right. And I think this is one of the most identity football teams I can remember, right? Yeah. Even more than last year. Um, like, their run rate is up. Like from the Hassan Haskins slash Cornemir. They were a fifty nine percent run team last year and now they're at like sixty three. And that's <laughs> to, yeah. and, and it's not that their run rate is just up. It's that they're really good at that. Yeah. Like a lot of times you see teams that do that, but I mean, we've watched teams struggle. Right. I mean, Michigan teams have run the ball a lot, maybe not to those percentages, but run the ball a lot and they're not as good. Michigan just runs it like you're talking about and nobody can stop them. Yeah. And so why do anything else? And when and when you add JJ back into the equation. Like, yeah. And then, I mean, we haven't even talked about the passing game. Well, I guess we should transition <laughs> into the passing game. Um, it won't take quite as long, but. Well, so a lot of people are kind of freaked out about this and I'm not saying they're wrong i am saying that this ground game plus fully active jj Mm -hmm. i think you get into the denard robinson region of offensive level where it's just no just like in terms of like what do you need from your passing game Uh to beat ohio state not a whole lot like like a simple hitch or Or, or, or bubble screen or or just like you've got jj on the edge and you have a a wide receiver cell and a stock block and then he goes downfield Mm -hmm. like that Auburn play from from the the uh, Cam Newton years, or the, the first pass to Ronnie Bell, where it's just right. like yeah, like that 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 too was set up by play action because like of like what, what I, you're doing what I think game. we're going to see against Ohio State is a version of the Penn State game plan. So Penn State was perfect; they got him six intentional rushes that went for fifty some yards. They completely crippled the ability of the safety to know where the ball was. So you're going to get that, and then you're going to have some passes off of that and. I don't think that this Ohio State defense is good enough to win man for man after what we saw against Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to be much better than last yeah, year. Than last year, they're going to be much better than Nebraska. But just in terms of like, are they going to be able to slow like the fully weaponized Michigan rushing offense down? <clears throat> slow, maybe. Stop. I don't think so. They're, I mean, what they're going to do is throw talent at the problem <clears throat> and. That's why this passing game in this game was particularly not relevant, because what Michigan was trying to do this game a lot of times was throw fades, and well, was throwing uh, was not throwing them as fades. He was throwing them as flies. I yeah. think we need to get into like the difference between a fade route and we, a fly route. We need we do need to talk about that because a lot of the problems that we're seeing downfield is that McCarthy is not giving his guys a chance. Mm-hmm. Right, he's trying. Uh, when I was rewatching it, I, I 
felt like he's trying to throw the ball as far as he can instead of getting the ball up there, trying to get allow his receiver to make well, a play. Well, he can throw the ball a lot further than well, that. Okay, but, but yes, I'm talking but about... He's throwing, he's throwing, trying to throw it downfield. He's he's trying to throw the perfect ball that his guy can run under. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not yes. break stride and doesn't matter where the defense, defensive back is. And we talked about this last week on the podcast. Yeah. We were talking about Nico Collins. Yeah. And there's no Nico Collins on this team, but if you've got Andrew Anthony one-on-one with a defensive back and you're hurling it deep. Which he had a couple times. Yeah. And you, 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 the thing you cannot do in that situation is overthrow, overthrow him. him. Yeah. Because if it's a 50-50 ball, fine. Because that's more not really a 50-50 right, ball. Right. It's more of an 80-20 ball. Right. Because yeah. you've got a guy with his back to the opposition who's just trying to survive. And Andrew Anthony is six foot two and can jump out of the building. So give him a ball that he can catch. We saw that with, with Ronnie Bell. Yeah. We saw that with Cornelius Johnson, where these balls are real close to being perfect throws. But you need to stop trying to make perfect throws. You need to, like, arm punt these put, things. Put it up there. Ronnie Bell, on, on his, he's looking back the whole way. And now, like, if you're trying to throw a fly route, then the receiver gets in his horse. He tries to get fast. He tries to get by the cornerback and then run underneath the ball. Ronnie Bell's not trying to run under that ball. Well, it, He's looking back the whole route. Well, it depends on the coverage. Mm-hmm. So that's off coverage. The guy gets over the top of the route. Ronnie Bell's like, okay, the guy's over the top of the route. This should be a back shoulder. Yeah. Right. And the back shoulder is not thrown. Mm-hmm. This is about the only relevant thing RG3 said on the pod, on the broadcast yesterday. Was He was like, it looked like he was looking for the, he, a fade. I, well, we can do that in another segment. I want to talk about RG3 a little bit because I, I I changed my opinion on him. Oh, no. Well, uh, in any case, so it's just – at this point, it's a problem, right? So last year, you know, he was putting it on guys and it was working out just fine. And this year, he, he has like one deep shot to Bell, I think, uh, that worked out. And then the rest of them, it's just he's trying to be too perfect with all these balls. And – I will say that I think the one to Cornelius Johnson was on CJ because I thought that he didn't get his head around until the ball was way in the air. And one of the guys in the broadcast said it looked like he was surprised by that. And I actually – because Craig and I went back and watched this five times because he was arguing the same thing of like, no, JJ needs to throw it inside because that's where he's running. And I'm like, he doesn't get inside until he turns the guy and the ball's in the air. And I said he threw the ball up and actually to the sideline where there was room. And if CJ turns his head earlier, he can fade his own route out and it's a catch. Well, also – so he wins that route. Yes. And he's actually inside the numbers. So – that, Eventually, well, he should not be inside the numbers, even if he wins that route. Like, okay, yeah. There's, uh, you want to be on the numbers, maybe a little bit outside the numbers, because then you have a lot of space to the sideline that they can use. Correct. If you come too far inside, then there's too much. Like, then then we see what happened on that play where he leaps up and the ball goes through his hands, but it's really it's a difficult catch. Yeah. So I kind of feel like if he's running a yard outside the numbers and that's probably a catch and run at that point also if you get your head around earlier you can adjust if you turn your head around late it's too late at that point the ball is where it is and you're already committed to the direction you're going and so a lot of people are talking about the wide receivers can't get separation they're not that good and i don't know if i necessarily believe that because this is the same career we saw last year Mm -hmm. right we have roman wilson who straight up beat joey porter well he can get separation yeah (laughs) and but we i mean we also had I mean, in this in the Ohio State game, Johnson got a couple of fades, yeah, and he was open on them, and 
that converted. So we have this Wiley Coyote year concept, right? Mm-hmm. Even if Josh Gaddis was the best wide receiver coach in the history of the universe, I mean, these are the same guys from last year. They didn't forget all the stuff that Josh Gaddis was teaching them. And I have a hard time believing Ron Bellamy forgot how to coach. Well, or how to play wide receivers. I mean, but just like hypothetically worst yeah. case scenario, like if the wide receiver coaching has gone off a cliff, it shouldn't be this year where you see. The yeah, impact. you can see it with the true and the freshmen this year playing well. Like, well, <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, Memorial Walker kind of missed one last week. That but, was very strange because that yeah. I thought was right on. And yeah. Like he ends up, it's like a fade route and he doesn't try to high point it at all. He's trying to catch it at his waist. And I'm like, what is, what is that? Yeah. I, I come back to this. Michigan does, is not a fade team. Fades are yeah. a lower percentage play that Michigan's offense is just not a low percentage. I mean, we, we talked about this last week too. It's, right. yeah. it's a philosophical thing. I think with Jim Harbaugh's, that's not a play he wants to make. Right. And so I think they're coaching him to like, well, don't throw it at, cl- at covered guys. Only throw it at open guys and try to get them in stride. What if there's nobody open? Like there's nobody open on the Andrew Anthony bomb. Yeah. Right? Everybody, they, it was a flood concept. Nebraska covered it. Mm-hmm. Andrew Anthony did not have separation. And that point, you got to change what you're trying to do. Right. And it's all PI offense. Get Jane Coaston up in here <laughs> and and throw the all PI offense ball. Yeah. And that and and that's it's just we haven't not seen something any, they practice. We have not seen any motion towards that. No. In this it's, whole year. It's not something they practice unless they practice it this week because I go back to Ronnie Bell who knows what he's doing looking back for that ball the whole they way have, they when have he gets that, that coverage. Right? And so yeah, and they have thrown it on third downs before to Ronnie. But, like, it just doesn't feel like Michigan practices it enough for that to be in the toolbox. So then, like, when they bring it out, it's like we uh. look like we don't know what we're doing. Like, we're making small mistakes where a team that uses that as a main weapon, uh, you know, they have that down. It's just you don't want to go to that too often because, you know, if teams start checking for it, it's interceptions. No. When's the last time you saw a back shoulder get intercepted? Well, uh, Will Johnson intercepted one against Rutgers last week. That was not – calling that a back shoulder <laughs> is an insult to back shoulder. It, also, got, also it he, got to Will Johnson's back shoulder. <laughs> uh, I mean, also, he's in yeah. zone in that. Yeah. Like, so he's coming up on a play. Right, right, right. About You're talking guy, about when they come up man. and play man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't throw a fade no, against but that, zone. My point right. was that play was set up because Johnson came down pre-snap. They made the read. Wimsat didn't look back at Johnson. Johnson goes back after right, right afterwards. So they – had him check uh. mentally into that play, and then he throws it, and it's an interception okay, because they're in but. zone. But like that's teams will just play zone over it if you start doing that all the time. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, we got answers for that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I don't know the so passing game in this I think is a, is a concern. You like, think it's a concern, but Seth, you don't. I I think that that aspect of the passing game is concerned. They sure. don't have. A play that's not the, that almost every team has in their toolbox, and it's weird they don't have that one. And I don't know, maybe it's just you know JJ McCarthy's a true sophomore. I know he's IMG and he's the most developed sophomore ever, but like true sophomore, and he's running all the rest of the things. He knows what the routes are. He he knows how to like read. He knows how to get to his third reads and stuff like that. They added like a whole running game onto him for Penn State, so he's got that down. Maybe he's a true sophomore, and we just have not practiced this enough with him. Maybe I think it's going to be something that they're going to need down the road because down the road this year, yeah, like in two weeks. Okay, and if anything, beyond two weeks too, because mm-hmm. you're going <clears> to. <throat> but Ohio State is going to have a lot of plays 
where Michigan's looking downfield and nobody's open. And the solution has got to be something other than, like, try to throw the 99th percentile ball. Because mm-hmm. that hasn't really Do happened. you want fades against those corners, though? I mean, they've actually had sort of an issue all year where the guys have been in and out of the lineup. And, like, if they come up and press, especially if they try to press Roman Wilson or Edwards. Wilson, you just go by him. Right. Anthony, you might throw the fade. Maybe Bell. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of Andrew Anthony in the game, just given his deployment all year. Mm. Like, yeah, he sees a lot of snaps, just doesn't see a lot of, like, throws. He's yeah. out there all the time. He's rotating in. I. Well, they don't throw to wide receivers a whole yeah, lot either. I, I haven't watched Ohio State that much this year, but historically they've had – they've not been the um, the best at, like, chucking or, like, getting up and, like, getting in guys' faces on – Well, they did replace Kerry Coombs. So. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying I'm not sure if that's changed or not yet. But, you know, they their style of cornerbacking is our cornerbacks are, are five stars and they're super fast. Yeah. And that might work, but, you know, we'll see. Because what happens when Edwards motions out, like, that's going to be, I think, a big part of the game plan because that's not a problem that they have good solutions for because I don't think anybody does. Which is why he played four plays today or yesterday. I got to assume that he was dinged. And yeah. then they're just like, nope. I, I you just, The thing is, nobody knows because they're not telling us how much he was dinged. And like the, So Alex said he had his helmet, though. He had his helmet. He's yeah. standing on the sideline. I assume... So he theoretically could have gone back in the game because right way if you couldn't go back in they would take your helmet. But yeah, well if it's if it's also it's not he didn't go to the locker room. Right. If it's just a little thing and you're destroying Nebraska, why why bother? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I so I think that's probably just precautionary. We'll right. see him against Illinois. Yeah. That's that's my assumption. Um, do we have anything else on the offense? We've kind of gone pretty long here. Olu was just killing it, man. I mean, but uh, yeah, I know we talked it. about the offensive line, but like, I oh, oh, oh. So ba- Barnhart had a couple of uh, pass pro whiffs, but he did have a couple of pass pro whiffs, and we saw. And Trent that's supposed to be his thing, right? I don't know if that's his thing, but well, we he, we talked about this before, where Barnhart is maybe a little bit better in pass protection. Trent a. Jones a little bit better in run blocking. Yeah, and that kind of punctures that. But we also saw Trent a. Jones on Michigan's last drive. Okay. Which was interesting mm-hmm. because he's been dressing for a couple of weeks, and I don't know if he dressed last week. Yeah, he dressed last week. Okay, and I don't know if he's still working his way back, yeah. or if Barnhart took his job. Hmm. I, I don't know. Well, clearly, I mean Barnhart played, and so did Jones. So as if of Jones now, is coming back from an injury, and you're playing against Nebraska, and Barnhart's been in there doing fine. It doesn't seem like a controversial thing to like. Well. This guy's healthy and he's doing okay, and you're coming back from injury, and you might still be like you know ninety percent. Well, we'll like, see, yeah. we'll see, because that, if that's a test drive to see like how you're doing, yeah, and then he starts against Illinois, right? One thing, right? If Barnhart's starting next week, then it's like, wow. So that'll be one of the main things to look. For I think it was on. that was probably a test drive, and we'll see him against Illinois because mm-hmm. did he play against Rutgers when it was no, no. When it was a plot? He no? did not. Okay. So actually, there you go. I've been watching for this. <laughs> because uh, there wasn't really a whole lot of competition in the offseason, right? It was just Trente's job. So so I had one other philosophical question that Craig and I were kicking around. Why can't Percy play right tackle? Because uh, they got Barnhart and Trente Jones. I mean, he okay. can play right tackle, but okay. I think that Barnhart... Well, if there are... I think Barnhart's better than him okay. right now. Also, remember Percy is a tight end convert. Like that's the okay. they brought him in to turn him into the next Ryan Hayes. So, so he's still more of a little bit of a project. 
I, I wouldn't say project. I'm just saying like switching sides. He just needs another year. Yeah. Of meat, well, that's what I mean. Probably, like yeah. just it, it's yeah, and and they didn't have him doing all the things that they have Hayes doing. Like I don't think he okay. pulled or anything in that game. Should we say Blake Corum is good? We got through this whole segment without saying like. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is. I stopped taking notes after like three carries because I was like, oh yeah, here like, we Ar- go again. He did it again. Yeah, RG three refused <sighs> to like say he was the best back in the country. He said Bijan Robinson yeah. was. I was like, come on, dude. Uh, ESPN. I mean, we did see Stokes get back in the game, have a yeah. number of carries. I still like him a lot. Yeah, He's fast. Yeah. And he hit, he hit a few holes and cut <clears throat> a couple nice cuts. The Karan yeah. Higdon comparison, I think, is pretty on point. Yeah. And there were a number of plays where he had to make a decision. And he made the right decision at the right time. So I think he's a, he's a player. Well, and Dunlap came in and had a nice carry and powered yeah. through a tackle. And then um, Edwards had two blitz pickups. So yeah, one one turned into a sack anyway. But it well, was but it wasn't uh, that wasn't that was not him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And one of them he flipped the guy over. Yeah, uh, and Loveland had some nice blocks too. I mean, it, we don't talk enough about how this guy was a receiver two years ago in Idaho, and now he's. <laughs> Playing Big Ten football as a tight end, like he probably, as a true freshman, uh, as a true freshman, like that is quite a transition. He probably never tried to block anyone within like forty pounds of him. Yeah, just do, like, uh, do you want to talk about the Bell almost touchdown that ended up being an Angel Anthony touchdown, oh, or is there anything that I mean, it was a nice play to get to the goal line, and he just dropped, and then he just dropped the ball. Yeah. yeah, and Angel Anthony, after all his blocks, and you're saying he doesn't get a lot of targets, gets a touchdown. Yeah, well, did, did that did that hit the end line in your opinion, or yeah, you think so? <laughs> yeah, and I think that it would. Be, it's just such a dumb rule that if, like, if there's any reason not to do it, you don't do it because like that rule needs to change so bad. See, no one else says that like on on broadcasts and stuff. It is. It is a. I mean, I don't. I don't disagree with you, but usually, like, you guys are out in front on these things, and then eventually people like stop because because this is like a thirty year complaint. People have been. Complaining. This this rule has been dumb for a long time. I mean, and, like, it is all the dumb, got but older. it's like really fun when it happens in games that aren't your games. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, didn't Missouri lose a game on that this year? Yeah, there's some crazy stuff that, and it's like, well, that's completely unfair and makes absolutely no sense in the context of all of their fumble rules. But <laughs> it makes us giggle. If this if it happens to us, Brian, you're going to be on board for oh another goodness. twenty years no, again. Well, he it did happen he to is, us. He is on board. I yeah. mean, he, he was Mike Hart in the Ball State game before football Armageddon oh, out of the end zone God. against. That was yeah, out. Of, right. That was out his own end zone, though. No, no, no. He fumbled was, through their end zone. Yeah, he, Ball State it was. Game. It was his, the touchdown end zone, not the safety end the zone? The touchdown yes. end zone. Yes. Okay. Rem- my dad and I were sitting in that end zone at the time. And that's when we were up big against Ball State, and they brought in Brandon Sears and, and Chris Richards to play cornerback, and all of a sudden Ball State was back in the game. And I was like, this is not bode well for next year. <laughs> I, I I remember it specifically because my dad and I were sitting in that end zone and then had like a like one of the biggest arguments we've ever had over that stupid rule. <laughs> well, is he in favor of it? He I, he was in favor of all old rules. He just he he thought he thought football like grew up in 1975 and just should have stayed there. Well, he would have loved this football. <laughs> he Boom! He would have loved uh, this football. All right, let's take a break. Come back and talk about the defense. 
Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirt.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. We have a lot in common. We both went to Michigan. We're both huge fans, but I'm concerned about how much time you're spending on Michigan football recruiting. This could be time spent with me pouring over your cash flow and Roth conversion strategy. How are these Roth conversions going to get done with you spending all your time and energy on MGO Blog looking at the next five-star recruits? Hey, all kidding aside, if you're addicted to MGO Blog and you want to outsource some of your financial planning to an expert, consider us, peakwm.com slash blog. At Peak, we work with people in a variety of situations. Some of our clients are young professionals looking to optimize their savings and investments. For young people, time is the key. Some of our clients are super affluent trying to figure out when they can retire. Some are high net worth retirees looking for a second opinion on how their money's working for them. Get your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the big house. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. Here's a thing people say. Seth, tell me about your insurance. I'm actually glad you asked me about that because I just changed my insurance and I'm really happy I did. Let me guess. You use Phil Klein and Owen Rosen of the Phil Klein Insurance Group. They are MGO blog readers and they don't advertise during football games. And they've got a five-star rating on anything you would care to see. Call Owen at 248 248- 682-7445 or visit them online at philkleininsurance.com.
What is your ticket take of the week there, Seth? Well, this is uh, a little bit of advice because I've gone to Ohio State games before, and this one's not really uh, opening up like you would would hope for. Um, I wonder why. I think Michigan and Ohio State fans are both kind of excited about this one, and Ohio State fans are not selling. But things happen on the Saturday of, and one thing that Ticket IQ has going for them is they have a they have a really simple interface that uh, I found loads very well on game days when there's a lot of people trying to use their cell phones. Uh-huh. And you can actually get your ticket the pretty last minute. So if you want to try being dangerous, sometimes those things come down a lot and it can save you hundreds of dollars. Especially if you're getting two tickets, it can save you multiple hundreds of dollars to uh, try to pull that late. And there are some pretty good ones that pop open at the, uh, the last minute there. So if you're if you're willing to try, because <laughs> right now they're like $500. And when you see a ticket price on Ticket IQ, that's just the price. There's no convenience fee. There's no we're Ticketmaster. There's no nothing. It's just that's what the price is. Joe Biden's not coming down on these guys. All right. All right. Uh, that, this is going to be a short segment. <laughs> God, they're so bad. I mean, one thing I think we can say is that we keep talking about the depth that Michigan has at defensive tackle, and Michigan has seven guys who would start for Nebraska at defensive tackle. Like, we saw Kenneth Grant shove guys back, disconnect uh-huh. for short-guarded stops, and Mason Graham, he split a double. He split a double, and he's getting an interior pass rush. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the one thing you can say about this, this the starting defensive tackles this year is they are not plus rushers. They're just guys. When Jenkins, and Jenkins and Mazzi. Jenkins and Mazzi just guys. Jenkins doesn't really get to have – he's not even on the field for most pass rushes. That's true. But in terms of like, okay, we all want Mohurst, right? Mason Graham is it. Maybe he's not going to be Mohurst. Maybe he's going to be Ryan Glasgow. But that's still hugely valuable. I mean, it, I don't think it's a hot take to say that he's probably going to be our best defensive tackle since Mohurst. And he, like, by the end of his be, career, you mean? I, yeah, I mean, okay. maybe but even by next year. Like this is It's their second drive, and Michigan has their big package out, so three defensive tackles. And they got Jenkins out there, and they got Grant out there, and they got Mason Graham out there. Mm-hmm. I, thought, I thought it was Benny. But oh, it was okay. Benny. It was Benny. Yeah. yeah. So, Benny had a great play in this game, too. They they all make plays. They all yeah. make plays that you're, you're like, wow, that's that might be a future pro. Like, Benny's a future pro. Uh-huh. Mason Graham's a future pro. I think Grant's a future pro. Like Rooks looked look really good last week. Like, like they got. They got so that. you were talking about the O line having. Oh, what happens if one or two or five of these guys get hurt? We yeah. just roll in another five. I mean, how many guys? How many levels of guys are there at Michigan? I don't I mean, know. You if Kenneth Grant should be starting against Ohio State yet. Well, though. okay, he probably <laughs> but, doesn't but, have the. B- but Nebraska tried trapping him, and it was hilarious because no, the guy like, just like plings off of him. <laughs> how many Big Ten teams would Kenneth Grant start for? Uh, the entire Big Ten West, except Iowa. No, actually, their defensive tackles aren't very good this year. No, no, they, their tackles are better than their edges. I thought. No, they have uh, Lucas Van Ness is actually rounding into a potential first round pick. Okay, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Very Iowa. He uh, didn't. He's not. He wasn't a consistent starter by the time. But anyway, this is not relevant. Maybe. Well, they had a good one last. So year. the the issue there is that Michigan doesn't really have that at end right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Like a really, really good end. Or, and, and like then the guy who's coming up from behind him. And part of this, nobody expected that David Ojabo would be the NFL by now. Yeah. Right. Because you put Ojabo on this team. Oh, Holy God. cow. Oh. How many oh. sacks does he have? 15? <laughs> oh. Well, here's a – can I get into this thing, the, the my edge, my pass rush thing yet? Or, sure. Um, 
we're trying to fill time. Yeah. Well, so there's there's a concept in pass rushing that Coach Twitter is always on about, which is a uh, hammer and anvil. So if you're the first guy to get into the backfield, your job is rush the quarterback. If you're the second guy, or if one of your buddies is, is actually break broken loose, you have to set up where the quarterback can't escape. At that point, you're the anvil. And Michigan is not very good at Anvil. They have two guys who will rush all the time. Oki, I understand he's a little bit of a raw guy. He does it more than anybody else. But I see it from all of them. I saw it from Harold Morris. Morris did it once. Morris did, Morris done it a few times this year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the defensive tackles, when they loop, they don't do a very good job of it. And your defensive tackles, that's what you should be best at, is just anchor in. Don't let the quarterback outside of you. Make it so he's got to stop. Because he's got a pass rusher coming in. Gary was the best at this. He was so good at like, okay, Winovich is loose. I'm just going to make sure that there's no way this quarterback gets out of there. And Winovich is going to clean up. They don't play with each other well enough. He's the guy that goes to the back door. So, but I think this is, so last week I was talking about how Donovan Edwards was stopping in the backfield and then making a decision. Uh To do that, you got to trust your offensive line that that's not going to be a TFL, that they're not going to make a mistake. I think it's a similar situation here. You're talking about Chase Winovich. Yeah. Who's Chase Winovich on this team? Like, are you going to be able like, okay, that guy's going to get around the edge, so this is where I need to be. Yeah. You don't. So everybody on that line is like, okay, I got to get to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. No one's going to flush this guy to me. And I think Taylor Upshaw is probably the exception. Like, that's probably why he's out there. Yeah. Because he's, yeah. he's the guy who's responsible. and We've seen him clean up for some stuff. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like... If you had a guy on the edge who was consistently getting that pressure, it w- you'd see other guys act more responsible. If you had no Jabo, then Morris doesn't feel like he's got to right. be a guy. He's just like, all right, that guy's going to get around, and I need to. Pl- my plan needs to be what happens when David Ojabo gets around. Right. So this is what led to all of the QB escapes, right? Is that because, I mean, four or five times yesterday, like people lose their rush lanes? The ones outside of them, yeah. One of the problems is is Mozzie Smith is just humongous and just can't. Yeah, and, and like they're he's usually the guy that they're leaving back, and you know he your job at that point is kind of track down a little bit of space, and he doesn't track down that much space. Well, one of them it's was got a lot to carry. Was Morris like just getting way upfield and getting blown. two of them? Yeah, two one time them. he actually ran into Barrett, who timed his blitz perfectly, yeah. and had the angle, and then Morris blocks him. That was the one that set off Coach Twitter. <laughs> well, the that pre- was specifically the one. The previous play, Morris shot up field and yeah. went right by the quarterback too. And Craig, when we were on the rewatch, and Craig's falling asleep, but that those both woke him up because he was just <laughs> like, "That can't happen." That's and and I think they had a safety blitz from uh, from Moore at one point too. That like uh, that Moore gets kind of pushed by, and it's like, well, if somebody is just there to make sure the quarterback can't slip over, then. I, it's another sack. Yeah. Well, so we're talking about how this is year two of the same defense despite a different co- different coordinator, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is year two of we're responsible on our blitzes and we keep a quarterback contained and we're very organized in this. Because last year, the defensive tackles, all they had to do was sit back and watch the carnage in front of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Just> like, so <laughs> Front tr- row seat. Yeah. So last year it was simple. Yeah. And so at the ends, go get them. Yeah, and this year it's complicated, and I think we're we're seeing some breakdowns related to that. Um, other than that, mm-hmm. they got the one shot downfield 
where Turner uh, lets a guy cross him outside. And, yeah, and that's Turner that's, gets up and, and yells at his safety, which but but I'm pretty sure that was on Turner. I mean, yeah, one, Mo- so. Moten was coming from the middle of the yeah, field. Yeah, Mo- Moten, Moten was one high, yeah. deep middle, so like he's not going to get over. No, that. if you're in cover two, the safety is responsible for that out yeah. there. But like that was just on the cornerback. Yeah, uh, and oh. then other than that, they did nothing. Are we at all? concerned about Turner? I mean, this does seem to happen once a game. I mean, I guess. It's just been so hard to get any data on him, and I just I just go back to like last year when he just whipped Jahan Dotson. Yeah, and Chris Olave. So, I, it's probably there. Uh, we just get these occasional shots every game, because like, other than that... They had, a zone, Palmer, they had a couple zone busts. Palmer didn't do anything. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, they had a crossing route is. where either Sain, I think Sain was still bailed and went deep because I thought that Turner, was so. Yeah. That was on uh, Corum. The the Corum? crossing route. So are, are you talking about the crossing route where the guy decided to to try to go over Sainer still? Eventually, yeah, yeah. The, the, but he caught it and he ran he for to, ways. He tried to hurdle first. a man. and The man was not a fool. Yeah. By the way, only oh. hurdle fools. Oh my god! But but <laughs> but they had Sainer still and Turner downfield on on deep coverage, oh. and one of those guys so, probably should have. Yeah. All right, so that one was on Colson because look, I think they're doing like an amoeba thing where he's coming down and he doesn't look up the crosser when he's when he got the crosser because they have the other yeah, guy dropping his defensive end. This is beyond podcast. Talk. I, I'm just Point. saying that one's on Colson because Colson is he's okay. looking like he's going to blitz, okay, and then he drops into coverage, okay, and. He doesn't look even up though Sainer still and him. Turner both left the flat and went downfield. I mean, this is something yeah. that we'll see in the UFR and we'll be able. Okay, to. Yeah. okay, yeah. that's fine. I just noticed that because he was clearly wide open, and obviously he, you know, paid for it in the end. But yeah, don't try to hurdle non fools. Only hurdle fools. That's that, why we say hurdle fools and not just hurdling. That looked like a wrestling tag team finisher. <laughs> <laughs> like it. It. It's the closest thing I've seen to a power bomb on a football field. I mean, we've seen some body slams and suplexes. I know, but th- like those are those are just transitional moves. This looked like one, two, three. We got new world champs. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you guys weren't a little afraid for that player. Like he comes down and is like, yes, head and I neck, was and very I was like, afraid for that you, player. Oh my god, we're about to. See Did you see die. the play last year where Bijan Robinson went up, got flipped? Landed on his head and yep. his butt actually hit his head. After seeing that, like that's, I can't imagine unless somebody actually loses a limb. Uh, that looked like I thought he might be dead. It happened I mean, to No. Sean Marino, his first game in the NFL too. After he, like he he would do that because he he loved jumping over yeah. guys in the, in, in the SEC, and then he gets to the NFL and they're like, like no, nope. <laughs> yeah, on, on replay he he landed on his shoulders, so that's at least yeah, you know, but shush. After after taking a shot in the uh, in the jingle. he got jingle jangled <laughs> in his wingle wangle, and then RG three didn't say anything. He's like, "I'm just gonna leave that one alone." You can't. This is your whole <laughs> shtick. It is kind of his whole shtick. If someone gets banged, <laughs> they take a hit to their twigs and berries. RG three's gotta like explode like he's a clown at a birthday party because they explode. It's true. And he's just like, ah, I'm not going to touch that. And I'm like, come on. I finally understand why I'm scared of clowns. Yeah, they explode at birthday parties into <laughs> glitter and other substances. Anyway. Moore had a nice game, I thought. Yeah, thanks. Came up and made. Yeah, we're moving past <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, we're Brian. just going to go. That's on. why I'm here. Yeah, great. <laughs> Are we a little concerned about Moten? He had a couple late 
arrivals, missed tackles. Still tackle. a little bit concerned about the one that he, the one that it looked like he should have picked. He was actually not on the tight end. Yeah, he was just playing loose so, and, and like let the guy cross him, and like that was, that was about to be a bad play. The quarterback threw in the wrong spot, but like to the right safety. Well, yeah, and, and then he could have intercepted it too, but but they also. Like, he also had a guy dead to rights before first down, three or four yards behind, and just completely whiffed on the tackle. And I mean, that it, was that, in a, th- a lot this of just, space. Like, it's, sometimes that happens. But sure, yeah. but it, it's somewhat of a recurring theme with Moten. And, you know, Paige didn't play for the second game in a row. And, you know, Craig, after that play, kind of looked at me and said, you know, is, is Paige our best safety? And I said, you know, I, I mean, I mean, he's, he could be. Moten has lost time to, to Paige, and I think there's a reason for that. So... And his his holdout is that we're hoping precautionary. I don't I don't know. We don't know. Two mm-hmm. two games in a row seems less precautionary, but yeah, at I, this point, there anybody who's got any sort of like a hangnail, they're just not yeah. brisking. So I mean, you, you need to have three safeties anyway, and Moten was fine last year. So I mean, right. it's a little concerning that he's not it does playing very well. Feel a little bit like he's gone backwards. Yeah, I mean, but we just have so little data because we because of the past. Yeah, we haven't faced defense. a good passing attack. Johnson looked good too. I thought he made a few nice plays. Came up and made a stick at the line. He's he's had starting good to get a lot better. Guy. Last so last week, I I thought he was playing a, uh, a zone a little too far off and like mm-hmm. maybe just being a little too conservative. Oh, on the slant, the slant was it was in particular. There were a couple others where he kind of gave up uh, room underneath, and you know, Rutgers is hard to grade because you have to look at what could have been there with a better quarterback <laughs> instead of like what was there, right? Um, which is always. Kind of hard because you don't know how fast the cornerback is actually ready to come and spring up in front of something. Right. Um, but he's tracking things across. Uh, there, there were a few times where you noticed on the field, like his teammates were pointing him to the right spot, and like, and then Nebraska changed their setup, and like everyone was like, "No, no, over there, will over there." Yeah. Uh, but I mean, Jamon Green was played in this game, mm-hmm. and Will Johnson was still getting the majority of the snaps. So it might just be like they don't want to, you know risk hurt and green at this point after i think it's a combination of things they don't want to risk hurt and green and they want to get will johnson as many snaps as they can before ohio state yeah yeah and i mean will johnson's played throughout the year i mean they've rotated the three of those guys yeah not as much as like some of the old school three-man rotations from a few years ago but i would not be surprised to see some dime packages against ohio state right yeah yeah i and, and you know Needs to be said again. After ten games, you're not a true freshman anymore. Like he's seen the field now, he knows what he's doing. He's rounding into more of a player, and it's the point where if Michigan didn't already have two good cornerbacks, you know he'd be starting. Well, and to your regular team, to your point about the dime package, I mean, Mayan Williams was carted off, I believe, in that game. They don't think that's serious. Okay, so they just. Are I mean, I don't think we're going to see throwing a curveball of like dime a cart. packages on third and five. But if you get them in third and ten, yeah, I think okay. you're going to see some. Okay. And yeah. other than that, Nebraska is not good at football. They yeah. did come in with a pretty decent ground game, and Michigan just stuffed it. Like, they didn't have any explosives, but despite not having any explosives, they actually had some decent yards per carry in, in a number of games. And, I mean, did they have a, a, a run longer than five yards? Outside of a quarterback scramble? Yeah, outside of a scramble. Not, I, not a relevant yeah. one. They're, I mean, they're running back, and good job on Alex on the scout again, that, like— 
doesn't always pick the best gaps, but when he goes, he's got a little bit ahead of steam. I didn't think that there were gaps to be had. There really. were, yeah. So there wasn't like he had a. There were a couple times where I thought there might be a spot he could like have gone. The worst all case the scenario O-5. for him was like he'd get in a gap that he thought was good, and then one of Michigan's defensive tackles would be like, "Nope, can't single block me." <laughs> well, Mozzie kind of. I'm the fifth string guy. <laughs> Mozzie had a nice play. I think it was on their first offensive play where he gets yeah. upfield and there's a big backside gap and Colson has to go around the guard and does and tackles. Mm-hmm. And it was like four or five yards. And I was like, well, I'm not really sure who you neg there, but that maybe ended up being their best running back run of the day. Yeah. I thought the other thing I got to look on UFR because I think sometimes a lot, both linebackers had good games. Like Dodd, like yeah. Nebraska thought that they could get to the linebackers and try to maybe watch the, the defensive line. It didn't work. Yeah. But when they released guys onto the linebackers, the linebackers are doing a good job of like whipping around them. All right, let's uh, take a break. Come back with some hot takes. At Peak Wealth, we believe we can help you retire with confidence. It's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner from Peak Wealth Management in Plymouth. I graduated from Michigan in 2001 with an econ degree and founded Peak Wealth Management in 2014. And now we have over $240 million of assets under management. As a freshman in 97, winning the national championship in football and hockey didn't get any better than that. Both my wife and I lived in Bursley that year, and it's crazy because we never actually met while living in the same dorm. Probably because she had a car and I had to ride the bus. But we named our dog Bursley anyway, and he's on the payroll here at Peak Wealth Management. At Peak, we're fee-based. We're your fiduciary, which means everything we recommend is always in your best interest. We partner with leading institutional money managers, focus on low fees, and make sure every client has a financial plan covering retirement, college, tax, estate, insurance, and cash flow. Simply put, we are Peak Wealth Management, your comprehensive financial coach. Book your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality, video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable it can be a rough ride along the information superhighway. That's why we build our e-commerce websites tough enough to handle the load. With the capacity to take hundreds of simultaneous online transactions and the stability of load-balanced, co-located server architectures, a website from Human Element performs in the roughest conditions. Thousands of products? No problem. We'll throw in the tools to manage them with precision and efficiency. All with a design slick enough to make you think your girlfriend might be impressed. So load it up and hit the gas and let Human Element show you the way. Special offers available for returning lessees. Financing available with approved credit to qualified buyers. Client participation may affect savings. Optional equipment available at additional cost. See human-element.com for details. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. 
Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across Southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. take all right this was my hot take and then some guy shouted it out at me so i have to like shout him out now so steel limbo you get half credit because i had this first have donovan edward throw the deep shots (laughs) great i saw that i saw that seth that's a great hot take yeah man i mean at least he knows how to put some air under him he no a no, no doubter. He doesn't have to be ninety nine. He he could throw a hundred percent if he needed to, but it doesn't have to be a ninety ninth percentile shot. It can just be the shot that he threw, because like that. That's oh, why wait a second. He knows For real. For real, Brian, I want your honest to God take on this. If we put Donovan Edwards for in for a wildcat and rolled him out and let him throw a deep shot, how dope would that be? Well, I'd be very dope. I'd be advertising, advocating for a double pass every game. So I'm, yes. I'm on board. I'm definitely nice. on board. The offense is still too boring for you, Brian? Yes. <laughs> Randy, give me your hottest take. It's time. This is kind of similar, but it's time to allow Davis Warren to just come in and throw everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to beat the Davis Warren drum. I think this kid is so good. And I think maybe either something's going on with JJ's shoulder or he's something's going on with his confidence, but I think we need a little Davis. Our 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 thirteenth president needs to be uh, represented here. I want Davis Warren. <laughs> All right, uh, well, uh, Jason, give me your hottest take. Will Johnson is our best quarterback. <laughs> I think so. Ooh. I, mean, I mean, that's hot, bro. That's uh, you asked for it hot. I, I mean, gave it to you're you gonna hot. put him again above Jamon Green as well. Is that what you're doing here? Because yeah, well, yeah. So obviously he's ahead of DJ Turner, who has regressed <laughs> below the mean. But yeah, I mean, I do. I am gonna say this for real. I think he 
he's developing and you're seeing some of the plays he's making and part of me is like if you're if you're looking ahead a couple of weeks and saying who do you want on Harrison Jr. I don't know maybe maybe it should be Will Johnson I mean we're going to get burned by that dude at some point but something gives me confidence that he's not gonna I don't know he's got more length it feels like he doesn't get burned as much on those jump balls am I wrong uh, well, we—I don't know if we've seen enough to say that, but we definitely have some issues with the other two guys. So maybe aren't we just going to play a lot of zone? Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah. Yes. Probably. I mean, Will Johnson has put some dudes in the sideline, and not just like scrubs. So he's got the—he's got definitely got the strength and the length to do it. Um, I don't know if we're going to be playing a lot of zone and switching things up and doing some complicated things to the best of Ohio State that you necessarily want the true freshman in there a whole bunch. But there's. He'll be he'll be in the rotation for sure. Nice, Dave. Give me your hottest take. Michigan is going to be the favorite in two weeks. <laughs> I mean, probably not, right? I mean, but I, you know, I was reading a tweet by a Nebraska guy uh, who covers the team, and he's just like, those lines are ridiculous, and he's like, I'm picking them to beat Ohio State, and like, you turn on ESPN for even small stretches, and. I think McElroy's on the Michigan train and, and people are starting to jump around on it. And we just saw another game that Michigan just pulverized. I mean, Alex obviously talked about how their defensive tackles and their defense isn't that great, but it's just another notch in the belt of like, okay, well, here's someone else who can't stop Corum and Michigan didn't even do a whole lot. And at some point, I don't know, like, is there a defensive line? I mean, probably Georgia or somebody, but like, they're just, they're just running over everyone. Yeah. yeah. The S&P, uh, SP plus margin is now like two and a half points or three. It's very between, close. Between Michigan and Ohio State? Yeah, so they've been closing the gap all year. So The argument, who are you, Robert Griffin III? Uh, closing the gap, what? Um, <laughs> no, I think that uh, the styles make fights like is does apply now in a way that it hasn't in the past i do think we have a situation where you know if you think of it in almost in terms of like a ufc fight yeah they're quick strike and they if they knock you out then if they land a, a, a big couple punches you're done but if we get them on the ground and it's just ground and pound you kind of have to like what michigan's gonna do no also, matter who they are they can yeah how many points has Michigan given up in the last five or six weeks in the second half? Three. 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 That's true. It was Ohio on, State has to play a second half against to, Michigan. Huh? I said Ohio State does have to play a second half against Michigan. I mean, just keep it close. I don't know. All right, here's mine. Amani Bates is good now. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, please. He just played his Super Bowl. Whatever. Well, but. Wait, say, wait. Go ahead, Brian. So, he was. Absolutely hideous at uh, Memphis, Memphis. Yeah. And, and part of that is just because like the way he plays is just a bullshit way to play basketball, and he didn't do any of that. I mean, he took like two completely garbage shots. They went down, whatever. But like he back cut guys. Like he he was functioning as part of their offense. Like he's at Eastern Michigan, Eastern Michigan, and his usage in this game was 31% instead of like 65. And he's efficient, right? He's nine of 13 from two. He's three of six. Like I think Stan Heath made like, maybe he just like had to come to Jesus moment where I'm just like, where he's just like, I, I can't play like this and go to the NBA. But I was, I was actually impressed that he played as part of a team concept. 
Do you wish he was at Michigan? Well, a little bit. Like a little bit, yeah. yeah. Like, a little bit. I yeah. I mean, I, I mean I'm not like, saying I'm not saying he shouldn't be, but it's it's kind of in the question now. I it is. Wait, I can take this loss. I, I can take this uh, not loss, but this defeat of Eastern that being pushed to the brink more than the Oakland game a couple of years ago. Because Oakland had some players, but they didn't have Amani Bates. Like, who do we have that can guard a 6'10 guy? Even when Hunter came out on him, like, he hit a shot over him. It's like, yeah, well, they no had one buffed guard him most of the game. Yeah, well, I mean... Buffton shot great. All right, stop it. Um, no, I, I, my, my other hot take was going to be, I think that Amani Bates, dad and LeVar Ball need a reality show together. I would watch that. <laughs> I would watch that. All right. uh, yeah. I'm, he's a lot of baggage. He has a lot of baggage. We don't need that guy. On our team. If you can't get enough scars, hit up their podcast view from the cheap seats or check out their new show on UFC fight pass called the nosebleeds. Check out their Patreon as well. Thank you as always for an excellent segment every week, guys. All right. We do have a little bit of game theory to talk about because Michigan's uh, end of half drive was a clock management debacle, which we haven't really seen in a while. No, but the last couple of years, they've mostly cleaned that stuff up. I mean, they got the ball with 410 left. And, they, and every Michigan fan at that point was like, oh, no, we're going to this is a two minute drill for us. No, no. I mean, four minutes left for Michigan is like two minutes for any. Other I think team. I don't think that I think that that you didn't know where that was going to go. So like you, you if, took three timeouts to the locker room. Right. But like you don't know if that's like a four minute drive. You don't know if that's going to be if they get a big play and they score. Yeah. Nebraska so may have the ball. The us. only issues start. Like, once you get under two minutes, right? Yeah. So they make some choices to keep running the ball. Defensible. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> then they get a first down. They run the ball. There's a flag. Yeah. So I would like to back up, a, like, a play or two before okay. that because they could have called a timeout around a minute. Yeah. Because that, that was the first time when I was like, okay, they're trying to make sure now at this point we're committed. This is the last drive of the half. But you get the ball around a minute, and that was the first time I was like, okay, they're probably in between the 30 and 40. You're vaguely within field goal range. This is the first time you, you could really call a timeout. They don't. Then they should have called a timeout, in my opinion, about 33 seconds. Yeah. That's where there, there's no reason to not. Yeah, you lose 10 seconds right there. out of you, you lose a third of the time you have left, and you still have 30 yards to go. Right. And then we get into your scenario. And then, so they, they turned down a penalty because the play gained one yard. One yard more than the penalty. And the clock kept moving then. If they, then, if you take the penalty, I believe the clock stops. It doesn't really. I don't. I don't think it matters. Well, it does because then you save the timeout. You don't even need to save the timeout, but at least you could argue that we can huddle or we can right. get into the play we want. But so it's twenty-two seconds, and they don't snap the ball until there's fifteen seconds left. Yeah, JJ loses nine seconds, and it's. They motion. They have the head motioning. <laughs> That's right. We're all, the whole stadium's like, what do you know? Why are you doing a motion right now with your tight end? What are you Harbaugh is. Harbaugh, you can see him because the the tight end starts on the sideline right next to Harbaugh. Uh-huh. And when he goes in motion, Harbaugh's like waving his arms and flailing about like, what are you? where are you going? Well, are you going to convince them that you have like a, a run going across? Like, uh-oh, it's split zone. Split zone. <laughs> oh, no. And so then they get down to like the... 15 or something with five seconds left and everybody in the stadium is like we should have three shots at the end zone Uh uh-huh but instead we have to kick the field goal there's not really a whole lot to talk about that was a total debacle 
so the the other interesting thing on top of this is Alex texted me after the game and he said, "Do you remember a time where Michigan's clock management botching cost them a game?" Uh, Harbaugh's not not ever. Right. It probably has at some point, but under Harbaugh, has the poor clock management cost them a game? And he couldn't come up with one. And I said. I mean, the old, the ones that stick out in my mind are like that 2018 Indiana where, like, the guy kicks gonna, But they win that game by a couple scores. I know. I, I was going to say, though, there were a couple Indiana ones where the game got close and then, like, we, had the, we, we ended right. up in a game with Indiana, which is still – I mean, you didn't lose the game because no. of it, but – like, Everything is about the Ohio State game. Yeah. And right. this clock management is not good enough to beat Ohio State. You've really aged during this podcast. Uh, well, I mean, we're doing a bowcast. So. <laughs> it started as the metal blog. Just, be, the just because it didn't cost you the game right. doesn't mean it wouldn't be the margin in a different game. I totally agree with you. I just thought it was interesting because Alex brought that up and was like, it still hasn't even cost them. And I'm like, you might actually be right. Uh, the other thing is something we kind of discussed in the offense where it's third and six, and yeah. I think Michigan's on around their 40, mm-hmm. and their decision is let's just run it twice yeah. and convert. And you're like, okay. Yeah, old man behind me starts complaining about that. I'm like, no, this is what this is fine. I, I, <laughs> this is totally I, in cool. the stands. I was like, Shh, should they just run it here? And they yeah. ran it. And I'm like, all right, now yeah, you gotta run it twice. Yeah. If you get the f- first time, great. But, I mean, that's a, that's a play call you can only make if you're going to go for now, it. Now, the question is, is like, do you feel comfortable with that against Ohio State on the road? Uh, See? Uh, I don't know. I know. In and that's, this game, They've though. missed one fourth down all year, though. I know. But most of those are, most of those are pretty short. Yet. I mean, J.J. scrambled for, I think, one I, or two. I think but. it's contextual. So, like, in this game... Michigan knew if you run on third and six, you're going to get at least four yards because <laughs> Nebraska's defensive tackles are going to be Honestly, four yards downfield. Right. That was like the worst case scenario. It's like, oh, it's going to be fourth and <laughs> right. two. Right. We did get five? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so if that's happening against Ohio State, go ahead. If yeah. you're having, but if you're having trouble moving them, you're not going to make that call. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's all we have for that. Special teams is kind of like irrelevant for the most I, part. I, the, the, the blown... Um, the blown roughing. The blown roughing the punter. Uh, they called yeah. running into it. And that was, I mean, that's his blade. I thought I saw it in the stands, and then on replay it was, it was clear. It, it, he hits yeah. the plant leg. It's, yeah, it's it's an easy call, and it makes no sense. I think that we, I think overall the officials were pretty good. And, like, the things that fans were complaining about, like, when Loveland got back up and, and ran, his butt yeah, did his hit butt the ground. His butt did hit the ground. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the... Uh, you know, Loveland got away with a hold on the JJ touchdown. Like I think he was losing oh, really? that block, and he kind of yanks the guy back. And yeah, but then Corum goes and hits him. So yeah, it's like, I mean, uh, it, it's not like affected the play that much, but it like you know, it was it was a touchdown where there was a hold, and then I agreed that like the ball probably got out of the back of the end zone. So you that was add, really really close. I mean, you add those up, and that's probably. And the other thing is, fans were calling for PIs. I didn't see any PI. No, there was no PI in this yeah, game. Yeah, so no. I mean, there weren't any passes. There were some, but there was no PI. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, so, I, you know, always, always in the in the stands. There's always, uh, you know, a hundred thousand yeah, guy. Yeah. But um, I thought the officials actually did a pretty good job in this game. So I'm kind of coming around on your idea on Henning and kick returns, Except where you're like they have limited. Two. <laughs> well, one of one of them was a punt. Yeah. That, that's return, different. Yeah. I thought, yeah, he, he did drop the one punt, but that was in the bad weather. The second one, he grabs out of the air off a bounce, which is, you know, I think that's the right 
play. You can't fumble it. You have to make sure you secure it, but it saves yards. Yeah. But I'm talking about on kick returns where you brought this up last week. Because before I was like, or I said that kick returns are for teams that need explosive plays. When you don't think your offense is going to be able to go. Or if it, the kick return is like really short. But that's mm. an anomaly. But in your case, what you said is that there's only so many touches to go around. Michigan has a ton of skill position players that they believe in. They have the best running back and the best Marshall Falk running back around. So Henning isn't going to get touches the way he was. And mm. okay, let him go on kick returns. And if it means getting a guy like A.J. Henning onto the team because you can give him at least those touches, it's probably worth it if your offense is good enough to overcome starting at the 21 or the 19 instead of the 25. Yeah, and he, he got a couple of them out to 30-ish in this right. game. So. And, and as long as you're going to get, see those from time to time, yeah. um, I, I'm now on Team Brian for this. Hooray. Um, I think that's that's about it. Uh, pretty of... pretty slid and got oh. injured. <laughs> but that was that was, wasn't even a headshot. It wasn't that a headshot. Was, it was, it wasn't he just a headshot. His... But like if he goes, you know, forward on that and doesn't like twist his legs in weird directions. No, he might land on his shoulder. Yeah. Which, but baseball slides. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh, I thought RG three RG three actually is going to be a good announcer. <laughs> I think that he's betrayed his, me. They don't, his pairing is terrible. Oh, Mark Jones. Mark Jones. Mark Jones keeps wanting to wander off of the football game. He wants to talk about anything but the football game in front of him because he keeps getting these "quote unquote" boring Michigan blowouts. Fine. Mark Mark Jones has way too many opinions about rap, and they're all wrong. <laughs> this is my projection. <laughs> okay. Like he's, do, he's do like, you have good rap opinions? Yeah. Since when does Brian Cook have great rap opinions? Well, Brian listens I'm, to... I'm not saying that like I have great rap opinions, but what I'm not doing is I'm not wandering into conversations and being just like, do you know who the best rapper of all time was? Young Thug. I don't even know what that means, but there is a rapper called Young Thug. That's what I know. And so this makes you... I, no, but like I'm not... Like I like Mark I, the, Jones so, goes, like confidently tells you things about rap that are totally untrue. I'm that's not sure my main this. problem with Mark Jones. I just want him. I'm watching a football. I you know I I got to watch this one like skipping five seconds all over the place, so I got to miss most of Mark Jones' commentary, <laughs> and it was still annoying me. And, <laughs> and but RG three is the one trying to like get him back on the game. He, like Mark started, started talking. About, are you annoyed that like Michigan's not getting in a? a and then like oh, and then RG three is like oh no no. Let's talk about what this play that just happened here because you missed something here. And I'm like, yes, pair him with someone else who's interested in football because RG3 probably has interesting football opinions that Mark Jones does not want to talk about football anymore. Well, I mean... I'll- so the frustrating part is we just talked about the biggest probably like um, end of game or end of half clock management issue that Michigan's had. And it got down to probably under 20 seconds before each of them realized that the half was almost over. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, that... This is your whole job. I mean, yeah. the clock is right there. You can see where what like what's going on on the field is a big issue right now. If it's in the second half and it's, you know, 31 to 3 or something and you're trying to fill time, you know, you have to do something to kind of keep people interested to to an extent. Yeah. But there is- at the end of the half when there's a botch going on in the field and you guys are talking about who knows what and oh, yeah. look, the half's going to end. I guess they have to kick a field goal. It's like 
Yeah. Now, we should do the game. There is a there is a difference between. That is a terrible <laughs> idea. I'd be better than. Do you know? We could do, do about know? how many eight second dumps <laughs> they'd have to use. <laughs> yes, because we do, do the know podcast how many ex- with you every week. Do you week. know how many extra people would tune in if they knew you were doing the game? Probably none. That's a lot. No. Do you know what they could use us for, though, is the trivia question. Do you know what the trivia question was? Yes. Oh, my no. God. <laughs> the oh, trivia man. question was, why is 1997 an important year for both Michigan and Nebraska? <laughs> and RG3 had to, like, fake that he didn't know. It's like, he what? had to have known. What? What? He's like, oh, I was born in 1990. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, there are so many. You're in trivia land. You could literally ask people on the street in Ann Arbor for a better trivia question, and you would have gotten one. Well, this, Ann Arbor is a trivia is like, town. What position did Jim Harbaugh and Scott Frost both play in college? <laughs> <laughs> I bet Michigan and Nebraska fans don't know the answer to this one. It should have been. <laughs> been that. <laughs> What's Scott Frost's favorite porn ops? <laughs> And why is it vomiting? <laughs> All right, you know, so the, you're uh, not supposed the, to say, say that no, out loud. The, no, no. Uh, the interesting you're thing let them make is we're the doing jump on their own. First half passing rate on first down. You want to take a guess? Seven. There, there are two numbers involved, so you have to give me another number. What? There, what is their – oh, their rate? Seven. These are guessing seven. It's actually higher than that, surprisingly. They were three of 17, so, 18%. Pretty close to Which seven. is probably – the right call for this game yeah it was all right we're gonna take a break come back and talk to jamie this is matt demrest the owner of home lending we're a local mortgage company here to help you purchase with confidence and refinance with ease people don't get mortgages very often so it can be confusing we'll break down every single line item so that it all makes sense and at the end of the day if we're not giving you the best deal we'll tell you to go with the other company we're here to offer our simple mortgage guidance this is seth fisher from mgo blog over the years we've sent dozens of readers to use home lending and every review that's come back has been raving i myself use them to refinance after doing our original loan through our bank i was amazed how much smoother the process was for our company Loan. Brian used them, you should use them too. Finding out whether it makes sense or not to refinance or getting pre-approved to buy a new home is easy. Head over to homesurelending.com, that's H-O-M-E-S-U-R-E, lending.com, slash mgoblog to find out more. Or call us at 734-531-9950. That's 734-531-9950. I've got two of my favorite people here with me, kind of an annual tradition, Cooper and Colby. Cooper, how old are you? 11. Colby, how about you? Nine. Can I get a Go Blue? Go Blue! NMLS number 1161358, equal housing lender. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. One and two and... If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458 or visit his website at michiganlawgrad.com. John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. It's painless. It's online. 
It's group ordering made easy for your next custom-printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle, whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. I'm boosting like I read the future. My execution used as a stimulant to get you into it. Show you my sentiments. Mentally send the flicks. Don't hate. Felicitate. Whenever you get the break, it's always a risk you take. Doing a different take. Big mistake rappers make. The cake they want it now. So they copy who's the hottest. Now they sounding funny style. I know you hungry, pal. Me too. I need food. But I don't redo what he do. I'm lethal like Jimson Root. Go ahead. Attempt to shoot. Invincible. It's flawless like a dentist tooth. Oblivious to all this ignorance that needs to get a grip don't be an idiot in a this podcast was recorded at venue and there's some sort of hopping event going on over there with balloons and excellent food it sounds like everybody's having a good time while i'm here discussing the big 10 west race so don't ever say i didn't do anything for you and if you have an event venue is a great place to book it we welcome in jamie mack with justcoverblog.com how you doing jamie i'm doing well guys i am just uh you know what i'm very much disgusted with the Big Ten West. Well, that you and everybody else, including <laughs> Illinois fans who had a chance yeah. to basically lock up the division this weekend, playing at home against Purdue six point favorite, and they lose thirty one twenty four, get out game three seventy nine, three oh three. And you know, I think the thing for Illinois that really disappoints is that their ground game kind of went off a cliff against Purdue of all teams. Chase Brown does not go over 100 yards for the first time, uh, I think, all year. Correct. 23 for 98. Uh, Tommy DeVito has a critical interception and and can't really get a whole lot going down the field. Averages barely over 10 yards of completion. And Purdue just kind of does what they do, uh, except they also got Devin Mockaby, 28 carries for 106 yards, which is sort of boggling for a team that was supposed to be one of the best defenses in the country. Yeah. Um, you know, the first drive of the game, Illinois scored a pretty easy touchdown. Chase Brown had four carries, 30 yards. After that, from an efficiency standpoint, Chase Brown only had four successful runs the rest of the day on 18 carries. And through three quarters, Devin Mockaby actually was averaging um, a positive EPA per rush while Chase Brown was averaging a negative EPA per rush. That was probably not expected at all from a box score standpoint. Uh, Illinois shut Purdue's running game down in the fourth quarter, you know, because it's just not a good running game. So he ended up in the negative uh, EPA per rush with Chase Brown in the end. But for the first three quarters, yeah, Purdue, Purdue was winning this game because they had the better ground attack. And then they just held on in the end. It, it was a little weird because Illinois' approach all year has been blitz, 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 blitz. And they're just bringing their mm-hmm. safeties down. Their, their safety is an extra linebacker. It felt like maybe they were just afraid of like what Purdue would do to them, or afraid of Aiden O'Connell. Because like, 
they were they were leaving guys back, and when Illinois does that, the talent that Illinois has, because they really had like the lowest level of talent to the Big Ten, and mm-hmm. I think they've been kind of covering up for it by their style of play, which nobody was expecting this year. Yeah, O'Connell has forty dropbacks in this game, and they don't sack him once. No. Yeah, so I, I, it was a little weird. Maybe Illinois just you know shot themselves in the foot by going off of their own script. Because that's what they've been doing all year is they run a 3-4 out there. They bring that safety down. They play aggressive. It's like old Wisconsin ball. And mm-hmm. they didn't do it this game, maybe because they were afraid or whatever. But I think they kind of handed that opportunity to Purdue. And Purdue is like, well, yeah, if you're going to do that, we'll run the ball on you. Yeah, well, you could say that they handed them the whole game in, one, in another respect. Uh, penalties all day killed Illinois. They had 12 penalties for 121 yards. They gave Purdue seven first downs via defensive penalties, including four first downs on the game-winning drive. Um, Purdue actually only gained 15 yards on the game-winning drive, but they got 51 yards via penalty. Um, So that was a problem, uh, too, all day. It was pretty much a close box score. Penalties, and Purdue had some explosive plays that Illinois could not match over the course of four quarters. Those were the two differences, in my opinion, in the box score. Illinois also had an interception overturned on a uh, on a pass interference that was just, like, boggling to me. Yeah. Like, that, like both guys are going for the ball. Like, he's backing out into the, into the pass, looking at the pass the whole way. And they call pass interference, and, like, yeah. the next play is for, for Purdue was a touchdown. Exactly. And that was, that was like a 34-yard touchdown that gets put in the explosive play column that I just mentioned. And that was also right before halftime. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're looking at, um, you know, a seven point lead at halftime instead it was tied and then Purdue dominated the third quarter. So that was a big play, Seth. That was a big play, big momentum. All right. As we were talking about last week, this result turns the big 10 West from Illinois to lose to a complete free for all. There are four teams at four and three. Uh, both of these teams are in that category along with Iowa and Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're handicapping how this is going to play out, Purdue has Indiana and Northwestern to finish. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we're just going to chalk that up as wins. <clears throat> Minnesota is probably out because yeah. they got Iowa and Wisconsin left, and they also need Illinois and Purdue to drop games. Correct. Illinois, probably going to drop a game. I could see that. <laughs> Purdue, yep. probably well, not going to drop a game. And now, real quickly, before this weekend, the look-ahead line for Michigan-Illinois was Michigan minus 14 and a half. Right. So, I mean, that that's looking like a loss for sure for Illinois. And, and I know it's irrelevant, but Northwestern has a little bit of a history of Kind of coming up on Illinois on the at the worst times, like they they seem to do that. I mean, more often than the, but yeah. they are not a completely horrible team this year. So that's a big win for Burt, even if they've called, kind of fallen off here. Mm-hmm. So Iowa has Minnesota and Nebraska. They also have the tiebreaker against Purdue because they took advantage of the horrible weather conditions last yeah. week to win twenty four to three. So at Minnesota. And then Nebraska. So it looks like if Iowa beats Minnesota at Minnesota, they will be your Big Ten West champions, as disgusting of a prospect as that is. My boy did it. My My boy, boy. you all thought my boy can't call an offense. And here we are back in the Big Ten championship. (laughs) My boy. (laughs) 
Yeah. But so our, our hope rests in uh, what Ethan Kalikinakis from Minnesota, their backup quarterback, going into going into that rivalry game next week, and finally and finally winning the pig game for PJ Flack. After what we and that, saw, and that would that would maybe activate Purdue. But that's our hope, right? That's like yeah. the only hope right now, keeping Iowa out because I don't think Nebraska is going to do it on no. Black Friday. So. <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> There was a, a Nebraska fan a few rows in front of us, and sometime in the third quarter, they took a timeout, and the guy was livid. He's like, get your shit together. And I was like, you know, I don't think that happens in game 10. Yeah. That's not the moment your there, shit comes There is together. a lot of shit that needs to be get, got back right. together in Nebraska. But I thought I this mean, was going to be our segue into the Iowa-Wisconsin game well, that first, Iowa had no business winning. First of all, let's talk about Minnesota, and then we'll get to that. <sighs> Minnesota 31, Northwestern 3. In the kind of blowout that you would expect, um, mm-hmm. just Mo Ibrahim, Mo Ibrahim, Mo Ibrahim. Uh, Minnesota has 22 first downs in this game. Two mm-hmm. of them come from penalties. One of them is a passing first down. 19 on the ground. Chuck Filianga. And you know Northwestern plays four different quarterbacks because uh, Sullivan gets knocked out, and then they just start rotating through mm-hmm. Minnesota shuts down Evan Hall 13 for 54 and Ibrahim has 36 carries for 178 yards. Now Calicamanis uh, <laughs> only passes for 64 yards, but given what we've seen from Iowa this year, particularly against Michigan, uh-huh. this looks like a kind of defense that can shut them down there. I think in the top five in SP plus and then, well, what did Michigan do against Iowa? They just ground it down the field, and those defensive mm-hmm. tackles couldn't hold up. That looks like a, a recipe that may well work for the Gophers. Yeah, I mean, it could. I think one difference that's tilted in Iowa's favor in this head-to-head matchup the last few years has just been overall physicality. Minnesota, despite being improved in the trenches, hasn't been able to step up in that regard. Um, I just feel that with the – well, I mean, I guess since Petrus is their quarterback, who knows? I was, I was going to say coming in with that backup quarterback, I think that Iowa defense is just going to make him look terrible. And there's no reason to think that the Iowa defense and special teams won't make the critical plays in the end to pull off an ugly 14-12 to 12 win. Is Iowa going to play soft cover two against a team that doesn't throw downfield? I mean, no. I mean, you could argue that that was what they their plan was for Michigan. Yeah, but because – I mean, you could argue that Michigan has J.J. McCarthy and Minnesota has nothing like that. That's true. I mean, is Tanner Morgan definitively out for next week? It's a concussion, right? Yeah, it is. But I I think they're going to eat him up alive, too. I mean, he hasn't been he's he's played Iowa like three times and has been awful three times in those games. Yeah, Minnesota's uh, and and they've gone like full bore with it. Bring back uh, Shiraka that like they're a very RPO based passing game. And Iowa is particularly good at shutting that down. I mean, RPO is supposed to work against zone teams, but Iowa has their whole system down. Right, but how many how that. many points does Minnesota need to win this game? Let's transition over to Iowa 24, Wisconsin 10. Thank you. The <laughs> most disgusting game of the season. The most disgusting yeah. game of the season. Total net yards for the victors, 146. That's the same number of net yards Nebraska had against Michigan. Wisconsin puts up 227. That is a 3.4 yards per play, which beats Iowa's 2.1 handily. But Cooper DeJean has a pick six and a punt return that set up Iowa touchdowns. And they managed to scrape through in this game with – Absolutely no offense whatsoever. So if you're 
looking at Minnesota and you're like, well, they can probably run it down their throats and get some field goals. That's all it's going to take. <laughs> That's what be everyone. I mean, what what else could it take? Like Graham, Just don't Mertz throw is the ball so bad. Don't throw the ball. Iowa not could not once. pass block. That was the weirdest thing about this Iowa team that Ferentz has always had a good offensive line. Kirk Ferentz himself was Hayden Fry's offensive line coach. That was his thing. And their offensive line is terrible. Wisconsin was getting to the backfield every single play in this game. Yeah, what, earlier in the year, we had that Iowa-Ohio State game where we joked if Iowa had just punted on first down every drive, they would have been in better position to win. You made me think of that when you said don't pass. If Wisconsin had just run the ball on every play this game, they probably would have won this game. Well, they ran the ball on third and 11 from the 20. So So (laughs) Iowa blocked a punt. They got a big punt return. They got a pick six. Those are their three scores. They They scored three points outside of that. The the three points was actually set up by a tipped interception, too. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, mean, if Minnesota just punts the ball and runs the ball, they win this game. Uh Uh-huh. That's... I, I like how we're inve- how badly yeah. we're invested in not having Iowa in the Big Ten championship game again. I know, I know, and, I, and that's why I'm and that's why I'm going to consistently shoot you down because I, I'm I'm trying the reverse jinx here. They won 13 straight games in November. Iowa has okay, <laughs> 14 next week. I mean, dream Michigan season is bring the jug to Indy, but I just. I'd feel like Iowa at this point just has some weird juju that's making everything fall into place to keep Brian Ferentz. Well, even even if Minnesota does win this game, they will not probably not be bringing the jug to Indy. They will probably be playing Purdue. Yeah, yeah, because they finish with two of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, that's true. All right, uh, God, is there anything to say? We illustrated just how ugly of a win this was, though, because I I just want to list off a couple more stats from the team that won this game by fourteen points. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Iowa gained 20% of its available yards. Uh, they averaged 12.3 yards per drive. That's good for them. That may be. Yeah, yeah, right. Spencer Petras, Petras averaged 1.7 yards per dropback or rush, and he was the best quarterback of the day. Um, he was Cooper under DeJean, pressure the whole time. Not fair. Yeah, that's true. Cooper DeJean, 114 return yards. Iowa total offense, as you mentioned, 146. Um, they needed... They needed fourth quarter yards to outgain Cooper DeJean. And then lastly, because I know you want to move on, Tory Taylor yesterday, nine punts, 43.4 average, pretty, pretty workmanlike day for him. But I bring that up because Iowa is now eight and two in games when he's punted at least eight times. <laughs> that uh, Jesus. That's hard to do. That's hard oh, to do. Oh, my God. I just, this, oh, anyway. Michigan yeah. State 27, Rutgers 21. <laughs> Gavin Wimsett actually looks like a quarterback in this one, completing 20 of 34 for 236 yeah. yards. Kyle Monongai goes off for 162 yards. This was actually a much more offensive game uh, than the previous game, despite having a similar score. Rutgers outgains uh, uh, Michigan State barely 460 to 451. And both ground games actually function, which is uh, – a little bit alarming for Michigan, I guess, after Rutgers uh, put up – well, not really. I guess they put no. up a fight inside the t- inside the five. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Jalen Berger and uh, Jarek Broussard combined for 26 carries and 163 yards. So kind of get off the mat a little bit there. Thorne's able yep. to be efficient. And Michigan State could be headed for the quick lane bowl. They could be. They could be. I, I- – you know, we were a few plays away from really being able to tap dance on the 2022 Spartans. Yeah. Uh, great, weren't we? Because 
Rutgers 122nd nationally in offensive success rate, 32.4%. They were at 47% in this game. Um, they came in averaging, they came in with a 29.9% available yardage gained, 60% against Michigan State. They 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 almost had that. How about this? 18.5 offensive EPA for Rutgers. What? That's true. I, I don't know how they did it, but I guess the Michigan State defense is really exactly who we thought it was all along. My takeaway is that maybe Indiana's ragtag offense can cobble enough offense together to keep Michigan State out of a bowl game next week. But, uh, ah, yeah, I don't think so. But We're all look, with you, Jamie. You how successful Rutgers was on offense, you're kind of like, well, maybe, because Rutgers kind of stinks. Hey, hey. What is Indiana's one thing? Throwing screens. What is Michigan State's one thing? They can't tackle anybody in the secondary. Let's I like go. What you're saying. <laughs> I got I got a quote from you for you from Peyton Thorne. Getting three of the last four is really good, and the one that we dropped could have been very different. A couple of plays here and there. <laughs> that's that's wild. That is complete fiction. That is that's yeah that's fiction for spart, sure. Spart, Which spart, plays? Spart. I, I have no idea. <laughs> Which plays and how many? I I think he's quoting Graham Couch back to him. Uh, yeah, it could have been a lot different if <laughs> something else happened on every single play. If 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 the running plays all went differently, yeah. if you take out well, all of the runs in that game, right, right, right. <laughs> well, there's probably a lot of people who who wish things had gone a little bit differently. In this game, I don't know if you noticed, but at the very end, Rutgers threw a 31-yard touchdown pass on 4th and 29 to get this margin under the minus 11. <laughs> so, if you, so, you know what? Maybe we should pour one out for anybody who had Michigan State minus the points. Oh, wow. But honestly, if you were involved on any side, any form in this game, you're probably a lost soul anyway. So maybe, maybe, maybe save that drink for something else. <laughs> okay. Uh Penn State 30, Maryland 0, a complete skunking. Maryland yeah. has Tunga Vailoa in this game, only puts up 134 yards of offense to Penn I State's did. 413. And I can only think of uh, Brymax uh, repurposing of the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald that he posted in opponent <laughs> watch this year. Because yeah. holy cow, the bottom just dropped out for Maryland. Uh, Tunga Vailoa was terrible in this game. He had the open receivers, and they actually – pass protected for him for a little bit he would bail out of uh completely clean pockets and then miss the guy who was wide open like there was a lot more opportunity for maryland to move the ball yeah he's only averaging uh two point yards 2.1 yards per drop back and rush over the last two games in his defense maryland gave up seven sacks in this game he walked into those I I I, oh, I think that's I, only partially true. Yeah, it was. It's of course <laughs> it's only partially, but I think there there are three that are sticking in my mind that he like he caused because it was uh, it was a thing that game. But I don't know. I appreciate Maryland going back to their yeah. old helmets for a game. Like the they, they looked like a normal football team again for one week. But this is November Maryland. Like this is what happens to them every year. Yeah. They just fall apart. Right. Well. This was an ugly box score. According to games on paper, Maryland's EPA per play, their yards per play, and their explosive play rate were all within the zero percentile, if that's possible. Their EPA per drop pack was within the first percentile, and their overall offensive success rate was in the third percentile. So uh, that's not good. <laughs> there, there can't be a worse fourth and one team in history, right? I got a, I got a, a, a frames Janklin thing. Uh-huh. Okay. He uh, was screaming at his own players, and the ref thought 
he was screaming at the ref, and so he got an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. That's fair. And then he did <laughs> 15 push-ups. <laughs> and I feel like that's great. That's not enough push-ups. <laughs> no. Like a 15-yard penalty is a pretty big thing, and 15 push-ups, I mean, you could knock out 15 push-ups in 30 seconds. Like, Sure. Okay, got to do more than that. Come on. I yeah, I, I want to go back to the fourth and one touchdowns because there were yeah. two more in this game and they gave so now that's it's at least four in in two games that they've given up on four and uh, on fourth and short so you know the uh, that that T formation is really cool and mm-hmm. it's I I know Michigan's fine in this department but I love that Franklin brought that back because it what it does is attacks a lot of spots on the defense on the line at once. So you can't know where it's going to come, and it stops the one thing that teams like to do, which is just shove everybody into the middle of the play. Um, and in this case, by shoving everybody in the middle of the play, they just got their linebackers washed out, and there's nobody if it breaks through. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they hit, uh, what, two of those for long touchdowns in yeah. the first half, and that pretty much was all they needed, and the whole second half was a controlled scrimmage after yeah. that. In fairness, the second time, I think Singleton carried a safety with him. So, like, they actually did have a safety for it. Right. You're right. You're <laughs> it's right. just they it didn't matter. They still, would have popped it, they still would have popped it for an explosive play before then. But you're right. Yeah, he carried some dude for, like, 20 yards. Yeah, the guy was just, like, yeah. waving off behind him like a tail the whole time. It was yeah. – it was. Yeah. he's going to be yeah. good. Singleton's going to be a pretty good back. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned the uh, an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. I do want to circle back. I'll do this quickly. Illinois-Purdue, yes, it, after one of Illinois' touchdowns, Purdue got flagged for two unsportsmanlike conducts, and that so they kicked off at the 35, at, at Purdue's 35, and Illinois tried an onside kick. They rifled it right at, at the guy up back, and he just handled it, kind of bobbled it a little bit, but handled it pretty well. But I kind of want to point that out because that was uh, just an interesting uh, – interesting part of the weekend so and i know that you would have enjoyed seeing that if you had seen it play out on tv but you were probably tailgating can i I throw more one thing in this game penn state fans who want to replace sean clifford need to be called out again because i mean he balled out in this game again and that's Mm -hmm. he did what he does which is he makes plays when they're not there and it's a uh he, he's an impressive dude, and the fact that they want him to move on already, it's like, it actually angers me. All right, Ohio State, Indiana, pretty much the only thing of note in this game is Mayan Williams goes down with an ankle-ish injury. He, he can't put any weight on one of his, his feet. He ends up getting carted off. Ryan yeah. Day says it doesn't look like it's a really long-term thing, but he doesn't have a really long-term He's got right. two weeks. Uh, Trayvon Henderson did not play in this game, so they get a receiver of 70-yard touchdown because they're playing Indiana. But they, they unearthed the freshman and started running him. They've got uh, Evan Pryor's also out, and the strange uh, Arizona State transfer, who we wanted as a running back, mm-hmm. and he signed up to play linebacker for Ohio State, Chip uh, Trayanum, also mm-hmm. out. So their their running back room is very thin right now. They do think that they're going to get uh, Henderson back next week. Uh, Mayan Williams' health status will be a major talking point for the game. Yeah, I mean, he says it's not long-term, but he gets kind of dinged up every game, doesn't he? It seems like that's always something we're talking about. Like, oh, yeah, and then Mayan Williams didn't play in the third and fourth quarter. You know, re- rinse and repeat. Um, Ohio State, Ragged three weeks on offense, got healthy against Indiana. What did I say last week? 1.9 points per possession that started in their own territory over the last three weeks. Not a problem yesterday. Three and a half points per possession. They scored uh, seven 
seven touchdowns out of 14 drives. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't not really a whole lot to say about Ohio State, no. Indiana at this point. Just whatever no. happens, happens. Yeah. And as far as Indiana, I'm pretty much my apathy level on Indiana football has probably never been uh, never been worse. They've just the second bad year. I think next year is going to be pretty bad. Jamie, the Jamie. only day that I'm a, but they, used to need, be, they used to be interesting, and now yeah, they're, they're, but they're not interesting. I'm now. just saying we got we got a big game for Indiana here. They got to keep Michigan State out of the That's ball. True. That's true. That's Get true. up, Hoosier. That's true. Okay, so we've got the brass spittoon, and we got the old oaken bucket, and then the third next most important day for Indiana football is going to be the day next November when they do the 2024 Big Ten schedule, and there's no Big Ten West to deal with or Big Ten East to deal with. Right? <laughs> That'll fix it. You're right. Two trophy games. I shouldn't. I shouldn't dispute. But man, it is just they are just hopelessly uncompetitive in a lot of these games. It's so. the, the watching the offensive line play is really something. I mean, there's there are bad offensive lines, yeah. and then this is we just something else. Spending too much time on Indiana football, folks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you, Jamie. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, thanks, guys. Yep. to the MGO Podcast. I'm Seth Fisher, along with David Nasternak and Brian Cook. That was for you, Dad. Sound card is connected to your computer by USB right now. How am I supposed to? Well, if you play any music on your computer, we'll hear it. Okay. Welcome to Zombocom. This is Zombocom. Zombocom. Welcome. This is what you said. Is Zombocom constantly playing in the background of your house? Yep. You can do anything at Zombocom. Anything at all. Are you making a TikTok? The only limit is yourself. Welcome to Zombocom. This is definitely going on the back end of the podcast. Zombocom. <laughs> this is You are so Zombocom. happy. It's, it's amazing. I love it. Welcome to Zombocom. Is this just a loop? This no, is Zombocom. Oh, yeah, is. Welcome. Yes. Oh, this, this is a website. Is yeah. And welcome to you who have come to who, Did you do? Did you design this no. when you were like younger or something? It's like a famous it's internet possible. thing. Because there was this era of like internet sites that were just like you can do Flash, anything and they'd have Flash animations. Maybe like coming soon, and they the never. So this is, is the infinite is possible at Zombocom. Were you aware of this? Yeah, it, it rings a bell from like Strong Bad Era stuff. I, like, I wrote a column about Zombocom. Really? Yeah. Or at least I referenced Zombocom. In what context? Uh, I don't know, probably that like. That's what it reminds me of. It's like the 
the late Rodriguez. It was probably something about how like Michigan's like ground game or entire vibe was Zombocom, where it's like coming soon and then it never comes. Now I sound like RG3. <laughs> no, because this is topical. Uh, all right, Sklars have not responded you to their text. This playing while in the background. Of the Welcome to Zombocom. You can do anything at Zombocom. <laughs> anything at all. I think it's looped by now. The only limit yeah. is yourself. The only limit is yourself. Welcome we are literally to listening Zombocom. to Zombocom on repeat right now. Welcome to Zombocom. Zombocom. This is Zombocom. Welcome to Zombocom. <laughs> I can stop. This is Zombocom. I mean, I don't Welcome. care. We're not doing anything. Yeah. Zombo.